Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back to part two of with Kadosh Life and Unfiltered Rise with Heidi Love. We're talking about the Antichrist Nephilim Mormon cult today. And um, oh, <laughs> and my dog just started squeaking her toy. She's like, I'm here too. <laughs> Doggy's here. Doggy in the house. <laughs> um, yeah, we we just finished up with part one talking about going into some interesting stuff. So let's get into this because um you know, this isn't stuff that they're going to publish, right? They're not, they're not going to publish. Oh, these are what Nephilim look like after so many lines. And so I've worked in the medical field. You work in the medical field, uh, being a generational healer, both of us coming from these bloodlines, you know, I think we're two pretty good options to be able to speak to the observations of humanity and what's going on with these traits of the hybrids that we're noticing having grown up in incestuous Mormonville. Yes, Mormon. So, <laughs> yeah. So keep talking about you were talking about what part of Utah were you saying um where Is, they're really uh, pale? Are you talking about okay, the FLDS so or the the polygamists that the are FLDS that are polygamists and they live so I lived in St. George, Utah, which they have um it's in Arizona. They have like an actual city that is their city. Why can't I think of uh, Colorado City? And they if you try to go there, like just like out of curiosity or something yeah. like that, they have their own police. They have their own sheriff. They will escort your butt right on out of there. Yeah. The order they don't play. Yeah. They don't play. And it's the brethren and they will, you will be gone. Yeah. And some people have really gotten hurt from there, you know, different things. Cause I mean, they just don't want outsiders mm -hmm. there. And so, um, but the people, when I would see them a lot of times, especially the Jeff's clan are very fair. And when I mean fair, I mean like unnaturally fair, light skin, light eyes, light everything, but they have all these weird genetic disorders and it's not yeah. just a couple. Yeah. It's like things that are incompatible with life sometimes mm -hmm. and they know it. And it's really strange. And it's not and just because so, they wear dresses down to their ankles all day and shirts. To no. Their I mean, yeah, and that like, would actually probably help you, right? Because you're yeah. all your business would be all, you know. Airy. I've never been up close know. and personal personal enough to to be able to like see, you know, the the difference in or well, to really be able to notice the skin tone or get a good look at their face. Mm -hmm. And, and well, so and as a medical provider where we were the nearest hospital, we would see all kinds oh, of Oh, so you're seeing them like in the bed, like yeah. 
Yep. We're seeing all the things and it's really wild, but they don't come unless it's like, they have their own medical people for the most part, but this is if the crap really hits the fan. If you see a polygamous person, especially having a baby, the crap has probably hit the fan or they're expecting a baby that's going to be really like not okay. You know, like they've had previous. Yeah, because they have their own midwives and they don't deliver. They have everything. Hospitals. Nope. And they unless deliver they think at home. somebody's about to die and somebody's going to lose their life, they don't come in. Yes. And so I would see it all the time and I would just be like, how are they so fair? And it was just kind of odd to me. I never put two and two together, but you do know there's a lot of incest there, even if you're just a normie, because I yeah. mean, they only have so many family lines and yeah. they don't marry outside their family lines. So um, and, I most, think and actually more... most of them, well, in, <laughs> in the Kingston clan, I've been listening to a lot of the girls who come out of the Kingston Kingston's clan. a lot different. Uh-huh. It, I mean, it's probably somewhat similar within the, the FLDS Kingston, they marry their half siblings mm-hmm. and they're, they're getting to the point where they can't even, you know, they procreate anymore. And so how do you know in the FLDS how, well, let's clarify for people who don't know what those, yeah, those are that's true. we have all these different groups who essentially claim Joseph Smith as their prophet and they live, you know, different polygamy lifestyles. And, you know, I just feel like Joseph Smith is somebody that a lot of people just latch on to because you've got the people who claim Joseph Smith as their prophet, who were doing the polygamous show. They had their own, um, uh, reality show. Do you remember what that was? Oh no, I never heard about this. I can't remember wow. what it was called. They weren't even affiliated with oh, like wait, wait, wait. Yes, a group. sister wives, sister wives. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Sister wives. Yeah. Yeah. And they claim Joseph Smith, but they weren't even a part of FLDS or a certain group. It was just like, you yeah, they just believe a bunch of wives and they're like, Hey, I love Joseph. I marry me. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Uh, I remember that now. Cause I was like, Oh yeah. And I think they may have been a part of looking at them. If you look at his second wife, Janelle, well, actually I absolutely know Warren Jeffs is they were a part of the Jeffs clan because Christine, the third wife of him is a Jeffs her it was like her uncle or something see because we know we know a lot of FLDS people that have escaped out and so my husband knew somebody that was like her cousin or something like that even the guy that I know that's out is cousins with my husband's friend that's out even though they don't like I mean it was totally random like I just mentioned, so they leave oh, yeah, them my... come out, but they still will live polygamy. Some of them, but sometimes, they don't, they don't stay in the in the clan and live on the. No, they can't. They can't live there anymore. Yeah, they get kicked yeah. out. And actually, the guy that I'm going to be interviewing, so he was married to my sister, and he um, lost his family because what they can do is they can take it, your family from you if they want to. If they, if they feel you're not doing whatever you're supposed to be doing or whatever, they will take your wives and children. They will give them to somebody else. And I know, uh uh-huh. Yep. He did with them. And, um, so when we went to the wedding for my sister, it was super awkward because like half of us were just normal Mormons. And then the other half were like little, like they were dressed. They don't ever change how they dress they were like little house on the prairie you know Mm -hmm. they do their hair a certain way like how I've got my hair like this but it's like a more of a swoop and sometimes they do too but um they never cut their hair because their hair is their crowning glory and they they believe they're going to wash Jesus's feet with their hair so yeah um but (laughs) yeah I actually say that wash Jesus uh, or you just I don't know no no I'm serious like that's like they really yeah 
they really think that and they're really weird about it and it's like a punishment if you get punished there they will cut your hair because it, it's like not a thing you cannot have wow. sh short hair as a woman and so and they'll take their children away it's really hard to get the kids back like it's wild and so Isaac and I haven't read the whole book yet but I know he got out out like he no longer does any of that mm -hmm. um and it was really sad because I mean, he actually really loved his wife and stuff. So even though I think most of their marriages are arranged and they kick a lot of the boys out, there's, you know, oh yeah, they, they, they don't want them. They're... Yeah. Because they don't want to have to share the wives with them, you know? And, and, yep. and I do, I do think that they, um, practice within, cause I, I saw a guy coming out recently and he's gay and he, he's talking about how he came out gay within his, the FLDS family. And oh, so man. one of my questions I really want to interview and talk to them about is like, because they have their brotherhoods too, but they call it, a, they call it the order. It comes from Joseph Smith. These men yeah. go off rogue and start their own religion. And so I'm sure they still have the Freemason sodomy rituals going on within these bloodlines. Right. right? But um, they're not going to talk about any of that stuff, but I'm sure that there's some of those lost boys who, yep. that, I think that that's what they the call them. Lost boys. Uh -huh. And, um, I would love to go and interview a bunch of them and find out Me their bigger secrets Ooh. because, you know, the girls who are coming <laughs> out, they talk about how the, these men are of this bloodline of Jesus. And one of the things I wish they would say, <laughs> which I've haven't heard any of them say is that they say they are, but they're not, you know, um, it's almost like, I wonder if those girls still think that and just like they're just messed up but they oh. come from the bloodline of jesus but that's something that the luciferian nephilim like blood so here and here's grab my like to and claim in order to do wicked vile evil hey we're of the bloodline of jesus and i and they know that they're not that's what i want to ask them is do they do you do think you know actually do the, do you think that these men actually believe that they're of the bloodline of Jesus or do you believe that they know damn well that they're serpents and that well, they just say that but, in order to, but what if they've lied to them so much that they believe that their God is the Abraxas God or Nephilim God. And they look like that and they believe that because of the whole Joseph thing and the angel thing. So maybe they really do believe that they are Girl. related to God. Cause you know what? Okay, my dad's a Freemason. Mm -hmm. My dad's yep. a... my whole family. So you want to know yeah. what he told me? You just, What's you up? just hit an L on the head because this is what my dad told me. And it's still, I still struggle to understand because it kind of makes sense mm -hmm. in a way. And I can see what exactly what you're saying, because this is what my dad told me. He said, did you know? Okay. So in the, in the Bible, there's the story about when the Jesus sent, God sent the fiery flying serpents to come and bite the people, the children right. of Israel, because, you know, they were wandering in the wilderness. They weren't being obedient. And it, um, so he sent the fly, flying fiery serpents and they bit the people and they were going to die. And all they had to do is Moses hung, put a staff on the hill and put a serpent on the staff. Right. And so right. all the people had to do was look at the serpent and they would be healed. Right. In the book of Mormon, there's this, this story is also in the Book of Mormon, but there's, it's a little different and there's some added parts. And in the Book of Mormon, what it says is because they would not, they would not look, the people would not look and some of them perished because of the simpleness of the way. It was too easy. And, and so my dad used to always teach me these parables, like 
these allegories. That's from so the funny because, okay, the serpent around the staff is the same as the medical, medical, uh, sign. Yeah. Wouldn't you know, I went and got that tattooed on my Pharmacaea. ass. I almost tattooed that on my body. Shut up. It's close. This close. And the only reason why I didn't was because my grandpa was like, oh my gosh. Like he was like, you told your grandpa before you went to get it. Yeah. Well, cause he was a biker. So I got it when I was 18 and you want to know what happened with me. Like right when I turned 18, I wanted a tattoo and I didn't know what I wanted. I went in, I was flipping through and I was, I knew what, so when I, when I was young, I wanted to be a forensic pathologist and I wanted to go to medical school, but I was too stupid Mm. with math. I I'm not right brain. And, but I, I, ended up working in the ER and I was just really drawn to like the human body and like bro stuff. I was just kind mm-hmm. of bro stuff. So I thought it would be interesting to do, you know, autopsies. So I was, I, that was my path. I was going to go into the medical field. And so I was like, Oh, the medical symbol. So that was what I thought it was. The medical symbol mm-hmm. just points to, yeah. you know, I'm going to go into the medical field. So I, so I tattooed the caduceus on my butt. When I was 18 and I, the only reason I got it there was because we were Mormon and I had to hide it from my parents and I didn't want them to know. And so, and it's interesting because it's changed meaning over time. And I still, even though I could regret it, it's interesting because, um, all of all things come full circle. And when I was in the new age, the, um, the 13th hidden sign, speaking of 13, again, the 13th hidden sign of the Zodiac is called the oh gosh how do you say it ophiuchus ophiuchus okay and a lot of people don't know about this 13th hidden sign Mm -mm. my brother's vampire (laughs) i didn't know that i always called him his butt buddy Ah! that's what he is Um, vampire told me about this ophiuchus 13th hidden sign that he found painted on the ground in japan you know and and how i should look at it because actually my birthday fell under it and i went and read it and it's actually the double serpent energy oh wow and and the the you know this uh caduceus has the two serpents that go up which is the symbol of the kundalini energy right i knew that one right and so this ancient symbol that we're told is the medical symbol is actually the worship of the serpent and the kundalini climbing up your spine and they go oh yeah but it's also you know those two serpents also are the double helix of the dna well yeah that's telling you the serpent hybrid nephilim genetics i have that tattooed oh, on my butt wow. telling you i'm serpent hybrid nephilim wow DNA, right i did my very first tattoo was a lizard though and so that's kind of it's gone now but I I was like too scared to get hardly anything else and I was like you I wanted to hide it because my family wasn't down and I put it on my ankle and it was a tiny little gecko lizard wow well so then then I then I got this my shaman and I don't have any black in this one but it's it's a shaman and she essentially looks like a witch and she has like a feathers hat and she has all Mm. these birds and the flower of life coming out um oh wow I got that while I was going into shamanism because I was certain that was going to be you know my thing your way But, Uh but when I was leaving Mormonism and studying more Hebrew stuff on my hand and this one's faded. I don't like black, so I get only color. And mm-hmm. this one's faded quite a bit. But it's the sword of truth with the word truth in Hebrew, which is spelled Aleph Mem Tav. And the oh. Aleph is the first letter of the alphabet. Mem is the middle letter of the alphabet. And Tav is the last letter of the alphabet. 
And that means the beginning, the middle, and the end, things as they were, are, or will be. So in order to understand truth, it it tells you the word truth in Hebrew that it has to encompass the whole of everything. But it's funny hmm. because it has the star of David in it. Oh, wow. Which <laughs> is like the compass. We have, but you know, yeah. you know what that means to me now? Because my sister used to always say to me, well, you have a Freemason tattoo on your hand. And I'm like, it's Hebrew. What do you mean it's Freemason? Right. Well, I didn't know the star of Ram fan. The star of David at the time was, you know, the funny, funny that she knew, funny that she knew, right? Ah! Funny, witch. that's funny. And and so I, I've got this star at the top of the sword and it's the sword of truth in Hebrew. So essentially it's like, now what it means to me is you'll expose the Freemasons. Oh, you'll bring the truth. You'll bring the truth, you know? So they're all little prophecies in their own way. Yeah, um, for sure. I want to go back. That's let's wild. keep talking. Let's yeah. keep talking about because you were going to go into the redhead stuff too. And, oh, and what I'm you so... see in Utah with these? Because you know what? When as I started talking about this, I get messages from people all over, even people in Newport Beach who live like in California area, will write me and tell me like, "I know who the Mormons are. You can see it because they have these really big eyes and they're mm-hmm. really far apart and and." They almost look like a deer in the headlights and they have this certain pace, pale kind of look. There's a look. <laughs> Quit there's talking a, about there's my skin. <laughs> I, there's a, there's a look to the Gentile nation of Mormonism. And, well, and I do find it interesting that they were obsessed with making the Mormons more white and delightsome. And why? In there the book of Mormon, so go into that. Many. What does the book of Mormon say? Yes. About and that it? was actually a direct um, quote from more than one prophet, but a spe- so Brigham Young, said it first and said, we need to buy as many of these native children as we can, like literally purchase and make them more white and delightsome by integrating them into our, our stuff. And then also even as far down as Kimball, he said it at um, one of their conferences, he's quoted as saying, I'm so glad over all the years that we've had the native brothers. um, Oh no, they said Lamanite brothers. And they've joined in our ranks, making them all so more white and delightsome. Like they were really focused on this white and delight something. And I always thought it was really weird because I'm a very non-racist person. And back when I told, when I was talking to you about like how, even though as a kid, I was really indoctrinated, even though as a kid, I was told a lot of things. I knew what was right and wrong kind of in my heart, like still, I I have this horrible hard life. And so I I think I figured out God on my own kind of like just talking to him. Mm -hmm. And my stepdad was superiorly racist. And I always, (laughs) oh my gosh. And actually this is going to be a funny story because he, this is God. This is what God does with things that are stupid. So he always (laughs) used to try and tell me like, God doesn't want intermixing and blah, 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 all that stuff. And I always thought, I don't think he cares. I think you're wrong. You know, but I wouldn't say that. But in my brain, I was always like, "Mm." I mean, well, my dad was the exact same way. I had a black boyfriend that was like the star of the football team for four years in college. And he was not about it. And they just are weird. Yeah. And I've had, I've dated any, I've dated whoever I wanted, like black, brown, I don't care, Polynesian, white. And, um, it was really weird because what's funny is my stepdad only had one kid, my brother, and he's passed on now. And my brother only had one kid and she is black. And that is God. If your whole posterity is now going to be black because you were a racist ass, (laughs) that is God saying, 
learn your lesson. And he did. He he loves her. And and that's good because he should. That right? is so funny and awesome yes. because yes. Well, God God. I want to keep, I want to keep talking about this, but <laughs> remind me to go back. Cause I didn't finish the Nephilim Nephi thing. So I'll go back to that mm -hmm. in a minute, but, mm -hmm. um, about that, I want to say, you know, it's interesting because I did date a lot of black people when I was in college. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a friend who was, um, like the head, not head. She, she just, she worked in the athletic department, like icing the athletes. So she connected me with a few people and I, I had a badonka donk. <laughs> so do that's I. They that's called why it. Maybe that's why they like Ju some junk in the trunk. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so, so I would walk through the hub. I went to Utah State and Logan and I'd walk through the hub and they would holler at me, you know, like, hi, like, hey, girl, like, <laughs> I, I, white boys do not do that kind of stuff. No. And no. all the white boys I grew up around, they were all little sodomites. So they didn't uh... know how to like holler at a girl and black right. guys know how to make a girl feel like, Hey, yep. you know, and so like, yep. Whoa. and so my friends used to tease me because they would say, what did you learn at Ebonics 101 today? Because I would go sit in the hub and talk to the black guys and they all spoke Ebonics, you know, they were from all over on the football mm -hmm. team and I got to know all these guys. And so I dated several of them and most of my friends through all of college were black. And mm -hmm. I learned a lot about, um, the people, you know, and yes, the it culture. Was, mm -hmm. Yes. It was fascinating. My yeah. boyfriend was interesting though. Cause the one I ended up like in a long-term relationship with, he was from Utah and he grew up all around Mormons and he was the only black guy I knew that had two parents that were still married and his mom used wow. to pop and stuff. And he was actually the, um, student body president of, uh, Ben Loman high school. And oh, he okay. knew every student's name in the entire school. Oh my he knew God. every student's name in the entire school. He knew That's everyone. And he, and he just, he was a social, like he was, he, he blew my mind, you know? And it was mm -hmm. funny because when I, when I was hanging out with these people, I developed, well, I grew up, my dad, my dad had me watch the whole roots thing, you know? And we, oh we yeah. My grandpa, my grandpa too. That's so funny. Yeah. Oh there's no black people in Utah. And and then yeah. the one black girl that went to my high school, she ended up being a cheerleader on the cheerleading squad with me. And she was like my best friend and we just yep. would laugh our butts off. And so when I, when I was in college, people always actually, until they would meet me because I had a black boyfriend, if they would just hear about me, they thought I was black because my name was Sharifa. Oh. Oh, right. Yeah, and so I'd meet true. people and they'd be like, what? You're white. I thought you were black. How do you have a name like Sharisa? A, a different have, you name. Know? Yeah. 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 That's funny. Oh my gosh. So what I got, what I got to know about, about the black race was being growing up white and being ignorant. So many things about that was, was why white people enslaved them and were so jealous of them. Oh, well, <laughs> I mean, honestly, they have so my husband's a weightlifter and he always tells me like, if you want to see natural muscle, like uh, if you want to see like almost like a perfect, like body without roids, like look at a black guy, like they yeah. always get the best muscle structure. They're stronger They're, you know, and, and it's actually genetically true. It's like oh, actually yeah. genetically yeah. true that their muscles are stronger. Yeah. They're bigger, Absolutely. you know, they're taller, oh, not every well, single one. And so you can look at the physical and the structure, but when you go mm. in and you get to know them, you also understand that like, just in general speaking, they're way better than white people. Yeah, <laughs> why why I, white people enslave them? Because white man was so jealous of the black man jealous. because 
they're way so. better than you. Sorry. Yeah. Like I think literally, jealousy was they are factor. so well rounded. Mm-hmm. They're good at everything. Yep. They know how to get a woman. They know how to treat a woman, even though they cook. They, you they know, cook. They know how to cook. Yep. They know what's important. Yep. You know, they they do work really hard, even if it's not all about the money. They're hilarious. They're mm-hmm. spiritual and street smart. Like yep. they have it all like yep. well-rounded beings. You know, you meet the white guys I dated. It was really hard for me to go back to dating white guys after that. Um, because they, that, that's why they, they had a joke. They called us the mud sharks. Ah! Know, dated the black guys in college yeah. they called us mud sharks because we went swimming in the mud was what it, it's, it's such a derogatory term. Oh, that's terrible. I'm like, okay, you have to make a derogatory about everything, but that's why a lot of women who start dating black guys can't go back to dating white guys. They say, you know, once you go mm-hmm. black, you never go back. Cause you realize that they are a superior race. <laughs> well, we and some of the, some of the, the best tree. people. Yeah. I, I always had friends. My, one of my best friends in school was black. All my friends were usually either black or Latin or something. Mm-hmm. And then even my ex-husband, he got remarried and he married a black lady and she was just from God. She was so wonderful. She yeah. was the nicest lady I think I've ever met in my life. And people would ask me dumb, stupid questions. Like, how do you feel about your kids having a black stepmom? I'm like, are you actually stupid? <laughs> like, like what, what would I feel any kind of way about it? I mean, like, yeah. I don't really care if she's good to my kids, which she was wonderful. And she's not, she's actually nice to me. Like I'm grateful for her, you yeah. know, like you want more people to love your kids. Mm-hmm. If you're smart, you know, yeah. if they're a good person, that's all I care. Yeah. But I would get people ask me this dumb stuff and I'm like, you are so weird. And then I would look at them and say, you do know my niece is black. Right. And they're yeah. like, Oh, sorry. <laughs> and I'm like, my mom's also married to a half native and half Latin person. Yeah. And then my sister married a Polynesian, half Polynesian, half Chinese. And I'm like, you probably don't want to talk race with me. Yeah. Like it's not going to go well for you. Well, all you the know? white guys I dated after, well, mm-hmm. my next, my very next boyfriend, he was um, Cambodian and he was little. So I went from a big, huge black football player to a little Cambodian oh. gator boy. Uh-huh. And Every guy I dated after that was so jealous of this football player that I had dated, you know, mm. like, like not, not, I shouldn't say jealous, but just felt inferior. It's intimidating. Yeah. yeah. That's intimidating. Be, for good reason. <laughs> um, but you know, it's fascinating because it's, it's not, it's not a racism thing. It's not a, it's, it's just human ob- observation. If you just open your eyes and observe, like, it's it's incredibly different the gentile white way and be of being yes. than the black culture it's incredibly different and so it makes a lot of sense with what you're saying you know if you look at um these the fallen who come down and lay with men and they're they're light beings right and so it would mm-hmm. make sense that if man was originally dark then they would come down and turn the skin lighter Right. And to be honest, when Noah was born, I believe it was Noah in the book of Enoch, I think is where it talks about it. I can't remember for sure. But yeah, I think uh, so. I think it was. When he was born, you know, his family was freaking out because they're like, whoa, what is going on? This kid, he's so light, you know, like he looks like mm-hmm. one of the angels, you know. And I think they were like, he is he fallen? And it almost makes me think because Noah came, but it says he was perfect in his way. It's almost like, the same way I have these weird prophetic tattoos, you know, that are like Mm -hmm. the reverse, almost like it was a prophecy. Okay. You're going to come with your perfect genetics, but you're going to be the one who's going to build the boat and be saved out of and drown all the white 
giant right gentile hybrid nephilim you know the opposite Uh uh-huh yep that's true do you like how i've just started using the term gentiles Uh, interchangeably (laughs) (laughs) i know i'm like well it would be interesting to even find out like we've discussed like what like when did it become like this superior thing to be something that's actually a minority it's actually a minority white the white race is a minority compared to all the other races of the world well that makes sense because when the elite 13 bloodline family serpent seeds came down and started being like well i want to take over god's throne and the original hebrew god's israelite people you know we got to be let's put them let's enslave them let's put them in cages let's you know build ourselves up and that's what a serpent does i mean it Mm. makes perfect sense why yeah yeah because the, the inverse of everything they've inverted everything mm-hmm. you know yeah so sure yeah whatever is up they want down so it wouldn't surprise me one single bit not that we're doomed as a race or anything it just makes it it's a it's an interesting observation knowing that you're you know, inferior <laughs> that yeah well and that and that we have been lied to like I guess I never felt superior in general, you know, but like that people think that. And I'm like, of course that makes complete sense because uh, like you said, the inversion of everything. So I I, I don't doubt that for one minute at all. Yeah. So what do you think, how do you think the red hair plays into it? Oh, so I know that there's like, um, Nephilim is a lot of times identified with red hair, you know, or, or like, darker blonde hair, hazel eyes, green eyes, all these things. Did your and, family ever talk about that amongst your family? Um, not so much about the hazel thing, just only green eyes and red hair. And that was like the two jokes, but what did nobody they say about I, it? Just that they would be like, you know, that's Nephilim. Cause I have green eyes and they would be like, Oh, you know. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Like I was too little. I didn't even, I was like eight. I was like, okay, that's weird, you know, or your grandma was because she had the special blood. And I was like, okay. And I mean, my family would joke about this so much. And even my mom to this day, she still will say funny little things. And I'm like, nope, that's not good. No. What do they say about the red hair? Um, just that it was a trait of the Nephilim. Okay. So, and I, but I always had a, a natural attraction for them, which would make sense if it's something like in your actual DNA makeup, Two redheads? how you, well, how you, yeah, to redheads that you were saying, like, you know, how they want to keep their, their bloodlines or whatever. So maybe that, that's something in us that like makes us like how you choose your partner, what you think's attractive, yeah. what, whatever. Well, and, you know, but I also dated black guys and all that too. So I mean, yeah. I'm like either I like them really light or really dark. It's like one and one or the other, but I was so it, similar. And, yeah. and it's really interesting too, because, uh, well, and it's weird because and I don't mean this in any sort of rude way, but, but the guys that I liked that had red hair, I wasn't actually physically attracted to them. Um, mm-hmm. there was just something about them that drew yeah, me in that was really uh-huh. oddly mysterious. And, and it, it was different with each one of them, but there's something definitely when it comes to not looks, but, but they're being different mm-hmm. about them. Well, and, and even at nursing, they say, Oh, he's a redhead. He's going to need more medicine. Oh, they're a redhead. They're going to have a harder time. Oh, they're a redhead. Be get, get ready for tons of blood because they bleed more than everybody. I mean, they have problems that are weird, yeah. yeah. you know? And so we always would joke 
but like we were serious. If we would see a redheaded woman coming in to have a baby, we're like, uh oh, better make sure they have six packs of blood for her. You wow. know? Yeah. And it was always a thing. Yeah. It was really odd. And there's medications don't work on be, them. That, yeah, yeah. There's absolutely something to be said about all that. You know, okay. So when, when it comes to green eyes, um, if you go and look up like what's fascinating about green eyes in the occult or why people are drawn to that, they do have, they say that the witches, natural witches, occult witch, like have green eyes or that, that they draw I'm screwed. <laughs> witchy witch. I know. I'm are screwed. you a good witch Dang. or a bad witch? Or a bad witch. I'm not a witch at all. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> mine are like that and I used to think I was clear of it because mine are green and yellow and I used to think see I'm clear of it because they're kind of yellow too and then I read something that said like hazel eyes are even more and I was like well damn it oh how funny <laughs> my mom like, has okay. hazel <laughs> well so the green eyes um you you have that you have the witchy thing and then um they're also just incredibly rare and a lot of people who are in the occult or bloodlines that I know also used to talk about, um, I want to marry a redhead or there, it, it was almost like there was something they knew. Cause I knew it wasn't because it's, it's not like, or what if it was no, that no weird offense, natural. It's not like, Oh, they're just really beautiful. I just love, I'm attracted yeah. to them because it, it's not usually a physical attraction thing. It's like, they knew there was something mystical or, about or something them. about them. So if you go and you study this, cause I've done, tried to do a lot of research and you can only find so much because there are certain things that, occult means secret. They're just going to keep secret. They're not right. going to tell you yeah. why they're drawn or, or raise up or praise the redhead. Or when you, you know, you get one, it's like this golden child. And there's also another reason it's in, in mainstream society that it's te termed and given negative. Like they, they call, Oh, he's the redheaded stepchild of the family. Yeah. You know, like, Oh, the, or my mom used to say, I'd rather be dead than have red on my head. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> and what's funny is, is, um, well, not my first husband, he had brownish auburn hair, but the other husbands that I've had and had children with both were very redheaded redheads, like freckles, wow, yeah. all deal. Yeah. Yeah. Red, 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 red. Well, so what I feel like it points to, if you look at the, the research on incest it is a marker of, of incest and so oh, wow. when you go why would these bloodlines be drawn to wanting them for certain purposes you know to play certain roles within bloodline families illuminati roles that they assign out um and why do they praise that and look for that and i i feel like my, my husband's gonna hate this Sorry. Sorry, husband. We love you. It's don't <laughs> personal, but yeah. we've, we've got to get the truth out. Right. <laughs> yes. Um, that there is a point and, and like, again, everybody, everybody's redeemable. This isn't ev right. everybody. This is why the occult looks and goes, Oh, we want right. this. Or we look for that. That's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, if you understand the mind of the serpent, which is the more inverted, the perversion, the better. And when you get to a level of incest where you kick out a redhead at a, you know, say, say you have two brown haired people or mm -hmm. a brown and a blonde and they keep incest for many generations. And all of a sudden out of nowhere, it's, there's no red hair and you get a redhead. And mm -hmm. now it's like, Oh, this prized possession because the incest was so strong and we've created this like anomaly almost, you know, um, uh -huh. 
And so I think that's why it got a bad rap being the redheaded stepchild. And I think that's the reason they look for them for certain roles, because I, at a certain point, they're favorable to these bloodline families because they've been, they've had so much incest on the bloodline. We've done so much abomination. We've produced this child now that has more ability to do something nefarious because that's what they're looking for with these gifts. Mm -hmm. That's why they do the gifted testing and the schooling and all that. They're looking for gifts and abilities to serve the kingdom of darkness. And if they're a prized possession, then the reason that they're looking for that is because they're really good at nefarious something. Mm. You know, we've washed the, the goodness out of the bloodline to the point where, you know, we're left with this, um, wow. One that can serve us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, In, in some sort of way that's, that's dark for their purposes. And it's it's a sign. It's a sign. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that with my parents, they only had me not, not, um, any other kids together, but they both, my dad had black hair and brown eyes and brown skin. And my mom has brown hair, brown eyes and brown skin. And they popped me out. And I was like, what's up? And I, I always felt weird. Like luckily I do look like my family or I would have probably felt I was adopted. Like I felt very, uh, I didn't fit, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, and, and then the redheaded thing also, what I noticed when I was being gang stalked by witches and Freemasons, when I realized who my family was and took off, um, Mm -hmm. that whole week, all of the people who came around me with witchcraft symbols on their cars and all of the people who God revealed to me in my upbringing who were witches and all of the witches who were trying to have me killed in ceremonies by getting me out of my body when we were doing, um, uh, the indigenous medicine ceremonies that I was going to in my shamanic training. Uh huh. They all, everyone who was revealed to me in, in my family bloodline, in ancestry, in my wards growing up, who were the witches of the group, all were people who would dye their hair red. Oh, wow. They all had a, their, they weren't natural redheads. Right. They dye wanted their to hair be. red. Mm hmm. And yeah. so they, they raise up that red hair for some reason. And I think it has something to do with blood because my, my shamanic teacher, <laughs> she was, she was a blood magic, witch. she did blood magic and she would paint with her period blood on her drum. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, when you're involved in blood ritual, when you sacrifice children for power to be a witch, you know, there's a lot that it can point to. Um, right. that they're not going to just come out and tell the mainstream, you know, I think, Mm-mm. I think there are people who are probably speaking out who know more about that. If you're watching this and you know something about it, reach out. And yeah. Let us, us know. Um, yeah. The, the need red to know. genetic in the, <laughs> the bloodlines, you know, wow. and, and, and it, it happens in, in the, it happens in darker skin too. They can end up, you know, with a red oh, yeah. child or La- Latin um, people, Latin people can have redheaded kids. I've yeah. seen it happen. And you're like, oh, and who knows wow. if it, if it's because of incest, because, you know, a lot of that stuff, a lot of that research is kept within the sciences of those 13 bloodlines who do the breeding and the genetic testing, because they're, they're not always going to tell us what it is that they're looking mm-hmm. for in that, that testing. Because I know that's huge in Utah and it's not. Oh, yeah. With familysearch.org and all that. Yeah. And I mean, and it goes right back to that necromancy. I mean. They want to make sure all those names are covered. And and it makes you wonder what exactly, like, if you think about the baptismal font for the baptisms of the dead and it's oxen, 
but then there's a bowl, so like a belly, and it totally reminds me of Moloch and sacrificing kids to the belly of the beast. It totally oh, does. It, the it's belly. creepy. Yeah, it the looks bowl, like a belly. The belly, the yes, and the I, oxen. I took a pic. I have a picture of that, which we'll get it. We'll share more pictures yeah. of another one, but that's interesting because I have a picture yeah. of that that I was going to share. Creepy. Um, and you know, it it is so odd when you don't when you've only studied the book of Mormon and grew up Mormon, and then you go and you read the Bible and it talks about necromancy. And then Mm -hmm. you realize that you go into the temple and you carry dead people's hands, names in your hand through the temple. Uh, It's kind of like, Whoa, wait a minute. What were we doing? You know? And Mm -hmm. I think what, I think what that does, like, why is, why is that? Why would they do that? And what is the purpose of you know, if you can't, if you're not really baptizing people for the dead, why are the Mormons so obsessed with this? Well, we're going, cause we're going back to that necromancy of a brack, I think. Of well, and especially if they don't actually, if the, if, if it's run by serpents and started by serpents and created by serpents and the ceremony is an antichrist ceremony, why are they baptizing the dead? If it's not to save the dead, to send them to heaven, you know, mm-hmm. um, well, and that Abraxas is a serpent on the bottom, two snakes on the bottom right. too. So I think it all ties in. I think, I think it all ties into something way bigger than we know. Like I would. Yeah. And know, I think but... what they're doing with that is when you go in with a dead name, you're entering into a covenant with that spirit. But if the dead mm-hmm. actually just go to sleep and they're, you know, in jail Waiting. or, or yeah. in prison or whatever, you know, whatever they're actually doing on the other side, if, if they're not actually the one, you know, when people call up an ancestor or whatever, and they say, well, that's not actually your ancestor. That's a demon. They appear that way. Right. What they are is yeah, a, it's familiar a familiar spirit. spirit. Uh-huh. Yes. The familiar spirit. And, and, and familiar familia familial mm-hmm. yeah familiar so they're familiar to you but that doesn't mean they're family they're actually family mm-hmm. they're familiar with you because satan's been studying you since the beginning of time and knows you know how to send these beings out to appear in this way yes so if they are if you're going in and baptize getting baptized for the dead is what what's really happening i believe that they are hooking you up with familiar spirits mm. which is uh, it cursing. could be you know, yeah. and, more, and you think, you think you're here in the Holy ghost. You think you're here in the Holy ghost, but how do you know you're not just carrying around familiar spirits with you that are one always talking to you because you have the Kundalini well, you, and you you've opened been baptized it up under, you've been given yeah. by the laying on of hands. You've been given the gift of the Kundalini Holy spirit, which is the false Holy spirit, you know, um, that's the, true the mimic because you're not getting the real the Holy real. spirit when you're baptized. Yeah, no, no. No, definitely not. Yeah. Because you're not even baptized to God. You're baptized into their church. It That's literally the words. I mean, you're baptized into the church of Jesus Christ say? of Latter-day Saints. Yeah. Oh. So I'm like, I always thought about that later. I was like, well, what triggered it for me was my husband and I were going to invite my mother-in-law to our daughter's baptism. And he said, don't do it. She, They're Mormon. They don't like our stuff. And I'm like, well, I'm going to do it because I was trying to, you know, I don't know, be nice. And he, and she said, well, you're getting her baptized. And I said, yeah. And she goes into what? And I said, well, to God. And she was like, oh, and I was, and it made me step back and think like into, oh yeah, they do get baptized into the church. That, that is what they do. They are not getting baptized by anything that's biblical at all. And so it's interesting 
to mm. what, what they're doing to add to their numbers. Yeah. It really yeah. makes you wonder. I keep, I, I, it keeps coming to me cause I got to remember, cause I didn't finish in the last episode that we did. Oh, the Nephi. The Nephi. Yeah. So, yes. so you've got, you know, this prophet in the book of Mormon named Nephi, um, and his people called the Nephites, which that covenant supposedly the, the covenant of the good people, because it went back and forth between the Nephites and the Lamanites and the mm-hmm. Lamanites were the evil ones and the Nephites were, and then it gets really confusing because, and by the way, they're Brown, the Lamanites are Brown, just uh-huh. so y'all know. Yeah. <laughs> they, and, and originally they were the evil ones, but, uh, then it was, yeah. but then it was, sometimes they were good and sometimes they were evil and it just gets so convoluted. And it's like, how do you keep that all straight? You know, but so, so you've got, um, the Nephite. Okay. The word Nephite comes from Nephilim. So Nephi, Nephilim, Nephite, the word neophyte, N-E-O-P-H-Y-T-E. If you go look that up, word up and neophyte in the Freemason Brotherhood <clears throat> is a new, a new initiate into wow. Freemasonry. And it, you probably won't find it I know I've read this somewhere. I don't know. I've had to search really hard and the internet keeps erasing stuff. So you're not yeah. going to maybe find this anymore. I don't know. But but definitely a neophyte is a newly initiated sodomite. And what is oh, a, wow. a sodomite is somebody who's had their mind shattered open through the ritual of sodomy. Wow. And the reason that they do that is because they want to illuminate the spiritual gift. And that puts in the Kundalini Holy Spirit or a Nephilim spirit host into the body in order to run you know, the satanic agenda through a human temple. And so, um, you've got the, the Nephite, the neophyte, and then something that hit me the other day is, you know, in, in the matrix, everybody's like, yeah, wake up the matrix. It's all about, you want to take the red pill or the blue pill? Well, Neo, his name is Neo. Yeah. So that points to that. He might maybe a neophyte. So maybe the way that Neo awakened was the Kundalini and Hmm. those little pills, everything in the brotherhoods is phallic. Mm -hmm. All the symbols are phallic. So he got initiate. He he woke up through a little red phallic pill. Yeah. That's weird. Or did he get, have his mind shattered open by, you know, was, is he a neophyte and he had a sodomy ritual and is it pointing to all of these things in mysticism that you have no idea all these mm. symbols are all over, you know, you go watch Joe Rogan and you think, Oh, he's wide awake. He's doing ayahuasca and all of these things. And it's like, yeah, that's a Kundalini. You know what it says to me when a man walks around with the, every podcast show that I watch when they have the third eye up there, I just think, Oh, that dude's a, just going to tell everybody he's a sodomite. Like, mm. and they think, Oh, well I did mushrooms to open it. Well, did you, Yeah. or did you receive a mushroom? Oh Yeah. In one of the uh-huh. entrances into your body, you know, because well, and they talk about sex magic in the occult for a reason because it's super powerful. Like Alistair Crowley got kicked out of two different countries for all his crap, and he was very into sex magic and not just the kitty stuff. Like, I mean, in general, he yeah. he knew there was a lot of power with it. But not only he, but Jack Parsons and L. Ron Hubbard and the stuff they were doing in the desert that was sex magic john d they were wife swapping all this stuff and and with joseph smith it was more the polygamy and same thing for muhammad who saw gabriel 
again with polygamy. Mm -hmm. So every time there's some sexual corruption of how it's supposed to be. And that's what the Nephilim do. That's what the fallen do is come and introduce you to different brands of sex magic. What's your flavor? And it doesn't matter what your flavor is because even in my own family's bloodline and, and the groups, I can, I can feel and read and, and intuit um, somebody's flavor. It doesn't mean that they don't have to be with a child or be in an orgy or be in a whatever, but whatever right. they present on the forefront, you know, their flavor that they prefer is maybe what they, they would live like those who, who are living, you know, occult pr- practices more in the open, like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. we're polygamous or, oh yeah, we're polyamorous. So we, you know, participate this in group is, swinging yeah. stuff together or, or, you know, then there's the ones who are just vile and you know that these people like are pedophiles or then there's the ones who just like want a million wives. That doesn't mean they're right. not still initiating their sons who are born into the same power that they have through sodomy rituals. And it also doesn't mean that that's their flavor, that they prefer it or like it because you have, you have different people who have different addictions, you know, within these bloodlines and cults and within Mormonism, I've seen it all over the place. Uh, you have people who are just really want the power over child because they are so wounded. They don't know how to have a normal relationship with, you know, a woman or a man. And so they just go for the children. You have the man who loves and is power hungry and just wants a whole bunch of wives. Cause I, the man that I cheated on my husband with, he was a polygamist. Mm lived it for years. And so I have experience, personal experiences with many of these people. The woman who taught me about the new and everlasting covenant in Mormonism, she was polyamorous and she'd been polyamorous for years. She had many spiritual husbands and wives. And I know many people who've lived, lived these things and watched it practiced out in my personal life. And, and so, you know, and I've seen their, their secret flavors and their front flavors, you know, or Mm -hmm. the things that you realize are just part of the rituals. And right. there are people's homes that I've been in where it's very clear there's incestuous pedophilia energy going on with their kids and their kids are messed up kids, you know, and you know mm. that something's going on and that they've been abused. That doesn't mean they're into that, but it's just part of what you learn in those bloodlines. Yeah. And they do it on purpose everybody to gets make it. them. Yeah. To make yeah, their minds. That, that's where that power comes from. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so then there's some who are just power hungry and love the money. And that's what you see. What I feel like you see with a lot of the men in the, in the comedy industry, in the music industry, in the Hollywood industries, <clears throat> you know, these men, you would never guess they don't act gay at all. Mm-mm. But as soon as you see them coming out, you know, in the dress and they've done the, the, humiliation yeah. ritual by having to put the dress on that tells you, Hey, I just had to go through a sodomy ritual. I advanced. I'm in, I'm a neophyte. Mm-hmm. And, and the book of Mormons talking about Nephites who are white and uh, them. sounds like no a bunch kidding. of Nephilim sodomites. If you ask me. Yeah. That's so you strange. Know? I never even thought of that. Yeah. So, so it's fascinating when you really start to put all of the pieces of the puzzle together. And, and so why is, and if you even think of layman, oh yeah, lay the lay the lay man, like a normal man, mm-hmm. layman, you know, like or or your that, lay, laying men, men that or like that to too by other men, yeah, that too, that could you be are lame, lame, yeah, yeah. There's always these little like term, like even the angel Moroni when Cody was talking about him and and his weird ugly smile that he got after like Mm -hmm. Joseph came and knelt down and worship him, this creepy smile, like moron. The word moron is in his name. I know. I I always say that silly, like, like 
God's just out there giggling, like, well, I left a trail of breadcrumbs, so just figure it out, you know? Um, so, so antichrist, let's talk about why Mormonism is antichrist and okay. where the signs of that are when people go, no, it's the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Well, it's another yeah. Jesus. It says in the Bible, anyone who teaches another Jesus, you know, I mean, it, it it's not Jesus Christ. So, so well, and you're not supposed to add to the Bible, take away from the Bible. You're not supposed to, they do like all the things that you're basically told, like, yeah, you probably shouldn't do that. And then they do it. And then they say, well, it's different because we're us. Yeah. And go look and in the, so. go look in the scriptures that go look up in the Bible where it says, um, God does not reside in temples made with temples. human hands. Yep. Yep. And then wonder why the heck you're building billion dollar temples, you know, with gold statues on the and top. going and, and being told to go there all the time. Yeah, and don't tell me you don't worship this, angels. Yeah. You put angels, yep. you, you don't even, you don't see hardly any Christ imagery. On top of your temple is an angel. They are telling you by putting a golden idol on top of your temples that when you go in there, you are worshiping the fallen. You are doing necromancy under direction mm -hmm. of the fallen who gave these Freemason rituals in order to connect you with familiar spirits, you know, yep. and then you've got, you've got the movie. So the garden of Eden story from the Bible is, it has its own little Joseph Brigham, whoever, you know, twist on the way they wrote um, what happened in Genesis. It's a little different than what you read in Genesis, yeah. but Lucifer, if so, we'll get into this in another episode. We'll go more into mm -hmm. the, the depth of this, but um, pulling out some of the lines from this movie. So there's a whole, like, what would you say is a half hour? <laughs> Two, it's like a two hour no, the just the movie. ceremony. Oh, just the movie. Yeah. Probably like 40 minutes or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's, it's the garden of Eden and Adam and Eve, and it, it's, you know, the whole Genesis and oh, genes, you were talking about genes and where mm -hmm. it came from. And it's, you know, when Peter, James and John come down, like, is that even in the Bible? Peter, James and John coming and visiting? No, no. God was just creating. See, I'm still trying to sort it out. Yeah. And they always, this is what I always say about Mormonism. Like, Mormonism is a one upper, like they one up everything. Like if you have one heaven, they have three heavens. If you have one story about creation, they got two other, three other people coming, yeah. you know, yeah. they got more hell, they got more places, <laughs> they got more gods, they got more people. And I'm always like, they're one uppers. That's what it is. They're one yeah. uppers. <laughs> Elitist Nephilim neophytes. Yes. Religion. That has mm -hmm. way more than every other religion. I yep. actually just posted this uh, to your point yesterday saying, dude, Mormonism is on a whole other level of wicked evil, which is why I was saying earlier, they are the great and abominable church, the whole yes. of all the earth, because they have so much false truth, so much that of real truth that they have counterfeit and twisted and turned and entangled in lies. Mm -hmm. and, and what Lucifer calls that in the little Mormon temple movie that we're talking about the Mormon temple movie of the scene that plays out in the garden of Eden. He, he says, um, so Peter, James, and John, and let's just point to this. I think what the Peter, James, and John piece is, is I think that they're, I think that points to that the Nephilim are coming down and falsely inserting themselves into the book of Genesis. You know? Oh, okay. Not there. And, and these are they can't create. So they want to mimic. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they're just like pulling stuff like, 
if you read the Book of Mormon, you know, people are like, well, this is in the Book of Mormon. It's in the Bible, too. It's like, yeah, he copied it. He went and took a bunch of mm-hmm. stuff out of the Bible and put it in the Book of Mormon. It doesn't that the Bible was already there. It's called. Right. A yes. Um, so you've got Peter, James and John coming down to to check on Adam and Eve to see how they're doing on assignment from God. And they're like, oh, what, what Lucifer, what are you doing here in the garden? And he says, oh, I'm teaching them. Well, and he was giving them signs and tokens. He was teaching Mm -hmm. Adam and Eve signs and tokens, which is interesting because we give signs and tokens in the temple. And in the movie, the one who is presenting the signs and tokens is Lucifer. It's the devil. Uh So, so he's giving them signs and tokens and, and Peter, James and John say, what are you doing here? And he says, oh, I'm teaching them precepts of men mingled with scripture, mm-hmm. which is a counterfeit, a counterfeit false teaching. Right. Okay. From, from the devil. So he's telling you right there, he, your, the temple is full of signs of, of it being antichrist and a Luciferian religion. And yes. it's all over in the movie. And the movie's only for the elite because once you, you know, or not yep. elite, but worthy, because once you've washed all of these things away, you know, only certain people can go in. And really it's just like who, who's taken, the most uh, manipulation, the most mind control and will put is willing to come and take this lamb's wool over your eyes because the women wear a veil over their face, which would be a symbol right. of like the lamb's wool in the Freemasonry. You're being blinded. So, so uh, he says precepts of men mingled with scripture. So that's telling you that Mormon, the Mormon religion, the man who gives you these signs and tokens teaches you precepts of men, which are just, ideas of men that he makes up that are mm-hmm. not from God mingled with Bible. He's taken things out of the Bible. And this, this is what I feel like all of the channel channeled works are. It's like, well, there's some truth in it and it validates what it says. Right. In the Bible. You know, the Quran or this, that talks about Jesus. This book, the Krishna talks about, you know, it's like, well, yeah, because the Bible and those truths like have always been there. So they just, we got to borrow some of this and then twist it up with a bunch of lies. And so then, then you've got the point in the movie where, um, Satan, it's so weird because he, he totally goes rogue on like ancient Genesis time and turns around and looks at the whole audience of the people who are there, like taking out their mm-hmm. own endowment, be, being endowed. What are you being endowed with right. when, when you go in and, you know, you receive this temple garment and, and come into this endowment session where you're endowed with power of Freemason tokens and, and he turns and looks at the audience and, and Lucifer in the video looks right in the eye of all mm-hmm. the patrons that are sitting in the temple who are dressed in these like weird ass robes, robes and clothes. And, and the men have a tassel on their hat. That's like, like the graduation, like you graduate mm-hmm. from high school and wear that same thing and move the tassel to the other side. They do that in, in high school graduation. Why are you doing that in a Mormon temple ceremony? You need to do that to get into heaven. The same thing you do in a graduation ceremony at high school. It's just stupid. And so. Um, he turns and he looks at the audience and he says, if these people in this temple on this day, don't live up to these covenants, Mm -hmm. these blood covenants that you're making these oaths and tokens and signs of exactness, which is an oath of exactness, the, the, the Mormon magic underwear garment is a compass and a square on the nipples that are worn. Mm -hmm. And then what's on the knee, the ruler. Yep. The sideways ruler. It's like, like a ruler that you measure mm-hmm. with, 
Yeah. For the Masons. Uh -huh. So everything's being measured, right? We're measuring mm -hmm. everything. We, we measure with a compass. We measure with a square. We measure with a ruler. Mm -hmm. And um, where's the mercy and grace in that? There's it completely none. undoes what God did. What, what yes. It did takes us backwards. Yes. It takes there's, us back to the old times. There's no mercy Jesus and grace. Died. Yeah. Well, even then, even, even then they had, they had animal sacrifice, which was pointing yeah. to that. That was still forgiveness of their skin. This is no forgiveness of your skins, sins. This is not forgiveness of your sins, which is why you go into a Mormon bishop and you tell him, and he's like, yeah, you can't take the sacrament. Right. And yeah, you're going to go and not take the sacrament in front of everybody. And your sins aren't necessarily forgiven. And I'm your judge and jury. And you're going to sit and feel guilty about this for the next 20 years of your life. Hmm. How does right. that feel? That, yeah. That's anti-Christ. That's Trapped. not Jesus. Okay. I'm yeah, on it. Trapped. I repent all the time. And when Jesus mm -hmm. forgives my sins, it's immediate. And he also comes and shows me my heart and fills me right. with love and forgiveness immediately when I, when I go in repentance before right. God in my heart. And so he turns and he says, if these people in this day, on this day in this temple, don't live up to these covenants, then they will be under my power, Lucifer. Mm -hmm. So right there, he's telling you, if you don't live a life of exactness under the compass and the ruler and the square of this oath of Freemasonry that you're taking, then you are under Luciferian power, which is why you have to renounce Christ renounce Mormonism. It has right. to be renounced because it is a curse of exactness where you will have little familiar spirits following you around, making you feel mm -hmm. guilt constantly. And, and you do not know who the, the first Jesus is. The first time I got out and it was before I really got into like renouncing and all that, but it was just when I first got out and I went to a church and I understood about grace for the first time. Like I had listened to a sermon. I just started not crying, weeping. It was like the dam broke on everything because you do, you feel constantly inadequate and the inadequacy, I feel like it led me into sickness I, I never felt more sick, fat, alone, scared, and tired in my life as when right. I was in Mormonism. I felt, I felt like I was never enough to, like, which is no matter why, what. Which is yeah. why Utah is the capital of antidepressants. Depression. Yes. Yep. I agree. Because what you never get to breathe. I mean, it's like you have to do more and you have to do more and you have to do more. And, and, it, and especially the women, I'm sorry, the men are on one level, but the women are brutal to one another. Well, because uh, my guess is a good 90% of the state. And I'm not even kidding when I say this, like all these women are married to sodomites and they don't even know it. Yeah. Some of them do, some of them do, and they're in on it. Some of them don't. Yeah. And a lot of these men get initiated into this and their wives don't know if they weren't born into the bloodline of it, but you're dealing with a whole bunch of women who have men who are intermingling with each other in serpent satanic ways that they have no clue and their sons are being initiated into it and their, ch their children and their husbands and their brothers. And, and a lot of these women don't even know the wiser and they are just miserable and they think that they're worshiping God. They think they're doing what's right. And it is so sad so sad you can't hear or what's going on okay it's on it oh, died. you couldn't hear me just for a second i'm like oh oh it was <laughs> it was like, just it died. 
It was your Bluetooth it or now. it was me? Okay. Okay. No, no, I'm back. I, okay. I switched it out because okay. I, I was like, uh oh. <laughs> okay. You were saying some women know that they are sodomites, and that's as far as I heard. Sorry about that. That, that their husbands are, if they're born into it in the bloodline, they may know if they're participating in satanic ritual, you know, that, that they see their husbands in that. But a lot of these women have no clue if their husbands are bishops yeah. and they weren't born into the well, bloodline. If they I, were expendable. Think, I didn't know my husband was a sodomite. I didn't know. I think you were so taught to, to be like, Oh, he knows everything and I know nothing and he's smart and I'm not, and he knows the way and I don't. So like, I don't know that I would have even ever questioned and they have their secret meetings and they have the priesthood stuff and they have all this stuff all the time that they're gone. And, you know, I, I know that they don't do that with everyone because you have to get up there high enough where they trust you. So, cause like some people will say to me, yeah, well, well, I, I know this and I was never that. And I'm like, yeah, but yeah. they're not just going to toss it out there. You know, it's not and, like every person or is that that, okay. Even if, even if, like you said, I know people who have been like, well, I was in that position or I was in that calling because certain mm -hmm. callings in Mormonism, you have to be a Freemason to even, they're not going to put you in as a Bishop. If you're not going to keep, if a, if a child comes in and says, my dad's abusing me, if a boy comes in and says, my dad's sodomizing me, they have to have a gatekeeper in order to shut that down, which is why they make sure all of the bishops are Freemasons. And so why would mm -hmm. they, why would they put somebody in one of those positions if they're not that? And if somebody's telling you, well, I was that, and I'm not that, well, yeah, you took an oath to cut out your tongue. If you said that you were part of yeah. that, so you're, you're not going to tell me even if you well, are. And I think they do that too, so that they'll have a lot of people that go, that never happened. I was there. You know what I mean? So that they can say, oh, well, that wasn't my experience because of course, it's just like, I was listening to a podcast before this today about the Philadelphia project. And they said, well, what did they do with the people that lived from that project? And he's, they said, oh, they put them back out in society because it looked better that they're just out there crazy than if we killed them. What's the Philadelphia because, project? Oh my gosh. It's so it's, it's like a huge, it, it was where they actually tried to zap a big naval boat from one place to another, like another place using um, like zapping ability and a whole bunch of the people were like mangled a portal? and like yes. A and it was and, so like, bad location to another. And either the people died were mangled or completely screwed up the rest of their lives. Like they were never okay ever again. And then they, the ones that did remember there was like a handful that did, they MK ultra them and put them back into society. And and made them think they had completely different lives and everything. Like they didn't go wow. up to their wives. They, and it's really sad, but like they do this all the time, you know, controlled opposition is real and alive. They're not stupid. And one yeah. thing for sure, the Mormon church is not, they're wealthy and they're smart. Yeah. They're not stupid. And, yeah. and the person they do pray to, which isn't Jesus, it is a very strong spirit on this earth because this earth is ruled by Satan. This isn't our home. Yeah. We're not supposed to love it here, you know? Yeah. So and he's been here people... since the beginning of time, you know, yep. and, and he's gotten the wiser because ever since the Nephilim got drowned the first time, because they were out in the open running around as giant giants, raping, eating and pillaging humanity. Then this time Lucifer's like, Hey buddies, you're like, we're going to have to go underground with this because they're right. going to wipe us out again because they you know that God said, Hey, the... you're illegal. Yeah. This isn't okay. And humanity knows. So, Hey, we're going to start doing secret handshakes and we're going to start mm -hmm. keeping this on the DL. And we're going to go build a bunch of tunnels underground and hide, make our own little cities and live in, 
you know, well, we, we can't be up here think... just roaming the earth with Adam's seed because we're in a seed war. Well, and don't you think it's weird? This is one thing I want to study too about like, and I haven't done it yet, but I always wondered that, you know how, okay, in the days of Noah, they messed with our genetics by actual sex, but now they can do it in a lot of different ways because if you get a donor, if you get, you don't know where all that stuff comes from. Let's be real. Like, you don't know where the baby egg came from. Okay. You don't. And so, and then on top of that, let's make it one more better. What the hell was up with all the orphan trains and where the hell did all those babies come from? Because hey, I'm real curious. And while we're at it, why don't we just throw a little serpent DNA into this yeah. Petri dish? What and if that's I put it their babies? We're just, let's just watch what happens if we throw a little serpent. Like, yeah, you, you give man your eggs and your seed and who knows what that mad scientist is going to do in yeah. the lab with it. Cause you don't know that man, you don't know who his no. boss is. You don't know. And they do weird is. occult things like the homunculus and all this weird stuff that they do. And I'm like, you think that they wouldn't have figured something out by now they can make a baby and, and they figured it out that they knew, okay, put the baby's egg and the sperm in the dish and nothing happens. Nothing. They have to electrocute it. They have to zap it because there's a spark of life and they recreated it. Why did they know that? There are some wisdom and knowledge that we are not supposed to have. And that's also what got the angels in trouble. Okay. There's forbidden knowledge about a lot of things that we're not supposed to have. And I'm telling you, some of that is stuff that we would have never thought of. I'm sorry. Well, it's and it's not because we're supposed because God is God and we're supposed to allow God to be God and he is yes. creator and we're not supposed to counterfeit and mimic and fake and try to go sit on his throne and be creators of men the same way he was. So, so what if they made all those babies, like you said, and, and like tweaked them and made those orphan trained babies all like that because they got really good at artificial insemination after that time frame. What are the what orphan if that, babies? Oh my gosh. This is like a deep dive. We should do one on this. There were all these babies that just showed up out of nowhere at the world's fairs, you know, the world fairs. Oh yeah. Yeah. I read a book. And there's that. just all these babies that came out of nowhere and they're like, come look at the babies in the incubators. And I'm like, where the hell are the parents? And they didn't have any. And they just had all these orphans and the orphan train babies were just given away. And I think they said some bullshit like, uh, well, their parents got killed in war and blah, blah, blah. And they, and it was a big thing. And they were giving they these gave babies them away, away to families yes, would just come and families. take them home. And I'm like, and they could have been what? totally genetically manipulated. Yes. Created and in then lab, sent out into introduced us, introduced into our humanity oh. to where we've made, I don't know how many there were. And I've wow. always thought of that. And I'm like, you know, it's just, they, they figure things out. And so of course, you know, they're going to get this knowledge from angels. They're going well, to. And so, you know, what that reminds me of is, um, I don't mean good angels. Right. <laughs> yes. Right. Amongst the Mormon communities, there's a lot of infertility as well. And mainstream mm -hmm. Mormonism, not the FLDS, but you see it, you know, rampant. And so there's a lot of adoption that happens even to the point where, where the church, the LDS church had their own yeah, adoption. Fund it. Yeah. Yeah. And it did, it did eventually get defunded. And I think there was some major messy shit mm -hmm. going on. There. Oh yeah. But so when I was living in my RV traveling on the road, I was staying in all different kind of different places. And I was staying at this one place down in um, Heber, Utah. And I met this lady in the pool, which was, it was so crazy. God just is so strategic with the way he 
plans, everything. This doctor that I used to work with at the emergency room when I was 17, they were talking about him. Like he has a very unique name and he's gay. And he were his partner, like I used to go to parties at their house and we would sled sled down their driveway and he would make beer and stuff. Like, like I knew this guy. And the, this these old couples who were there vacationing in their RV were at the hot tub. And I'm just doing my own thing, you know, over there with my eyes closed, trying to ignore all these weird old Mormons because I like traumatized by Mormons right. don't want to talk to anybody. But they would not quit talking about this doctor that I knew. And it was like, God was like, okay, are you going to say something yet? You know, because I, I I was not talking to people at all during this phase of right. life. I kept to myself. Just get away so from me. Yeah. I finally say, oh, hey, I know Dr. So-and-so. And I said, are, are you talking about the guy that works in the emergency room in Ogden? And they're like, yeah. I said, I used to work with him when I was 17. They're like, really? He's our best friend. And I was like, really? And it was interesting because they were like these kind of old Jack Mormon couples, like, you know, probably mm-hmm. in their 60s or 70s. And, um, one, cause he, he's gay and drinks and uh, ER doctor. So I'm like, that's really weird that you guys like are friends with this guy. They seem so out of like the kind not of, their not person. the kind of people who would yeah. be friends with each other. So, um, I, I was talking to this lady and she, I can't even remember what, I think I started telling her how my ex-husband had found out that he's half Iranian and only in the past year and got one of those genetic tests done. Like the, oh, uh-huh the what what is the one that yeah the church has ancestry yeah, ancestry uh-huh. he did I don't know if he did 23 or me or that one I can't remember but he'd had that done it came back that he was half Iranian so we went and confronted his mom like hey is there something you want to tell me because apparently my dad's <laughs> not my dad apparently I'm half Iranian and we grew we grew up with him that all of our friends would tease him and call him the mailman's son and everybody would always be like what ethnicity are you because he just looks so different than everybody and and I think he knew I think I think he was probably bred because a lot of the Muslim the Muslims and the blondes his mom looks kind of like you she has those Nephilim features Mm -hmm. and she's really light fair-skinned I think she was originally redhead a lot of her sisters are red hair and so I wouldn't be surprised if this is a cover story but so I'm telling this I don't know how we got into it, but I'm sharing this story with them. And, um, this older woman tells me, oh, I work in the ancestry library for the church and she'd worked there for years. She takes calls and stuff. So she was like, you know, what's really crazy with those tests Mm -hmm. since the church has like released these ancestry tests to check your DNA. And, you know, she's like, everybody's buying them for like Father's Day, Mother's Day, Christmas. People will buy them for their whole family. Mm-hmm. And they'll go, oh, here's one for everybody. Everybody take a test. Let's see where if we if it's all the same, if it all if we all have the same genetics where we're from, you know, because sometimes like one will say, oh, you're 23 percent. Um, Whatever. Yeah. Irish. Ukraine, and, then, yeah. and then your sibling says something else. So they're, you know, they it's just wildfire. And she's talking about how crazy wild it is that this is going on. It's such a rampant number that people are obsessed with these tests right now. And she says, the thing that's really crazy that's going on is we get these calls all the time. And she said, and it's happening in mass numbers that these people take these tests and they come back and they find out that they are absolutely not even related to either of their parents. And these are like grown adults who are raised in their family of, you know, they're, they're not related. So they've been, yeah. That's crazy. Well, and, and how do they explain that away? You and know, they don't, that's either. what she said. That's what she said. So crazy is they, they won't give an explanation because you have all of these 
Freemason Nephilim sodomites walking around and who are in these breeding programs of elitist keeping their bloodlines, whatever. And who knows where they're getting these children from, if they're being created in Petri dishes, if, if they're teen, they always get called a teen pregnancy. Oh, a teen pregnancy. And it's like, is it, or where did they actually come from? Or a lot of times I think what it is, 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 um, the breeding programs ritually abuse children, you know, and then they take these children and then they place them in other families. And, but they're not explaining it. She says that the th- that's the thing that was so crazy about it was they didn't have answers and the parents wouldn't give explanations. And it was just like this big silence. Like it just happened, but they the weren't adopted. Right? Like, like they were born, they were born to these people probably. Well, yeah. they don't, they didn't explain any of it. She just said, they just don't, so they just won't tell them, you know, a mass number. So what, what that point. So the, me, that orphan train thing, I want you to take a guess. Okay. It happened from 1854 to 1929, which is not that long ago, bro. I want you to guess how many kids. What do, what do you mean it happened between that period? Like every time they would have the world fair, they would bring the, these trains in. This, they out? had this certain amount of kids that they were giving out and guess how many there were between those years. I'm going to blow your mind. How many? I have no idea. A quarter million. Random kids just brought in. That they adopted out and they said they were from immigrants, but nobody knows. Have they followed uh, any uh, of them? Uh, wait, wait. So uh, I'm, yeah, I'm trying crazy. to figure. I thought it was. Just, I thought you just meant it was just one year at this. No, um, it, it was nope. several years at the World Fair. Several years. So it says approximately a quarter million children between 1854 and 1929 were on the orphan trains and placed in loving adopted homes, paraded before prospective families, and treated like indentured servants. This happened in America. This is America. Yeah, they, that's, you terrifying. Have no you, they could have been terrifying in a petri dish and in a false womb or something in a, in a cow. We don't even know. What if it's all underground kids that they freaking made? And they, and they probably kept tabs on all of them. They probably kept oh, tabs on all of them. They know all that's around, what these ancestors, what do you think these ancestry tests They're all are under for? at Ultra and they all, what do you, you think know, they're looking for? Entering candidates. Looking for? Yeah, they're looking for all of the kids that were freaking passed out and trying to figure out what the hell happened. Probably. Are any of them still live? Do you know? I'm trying to think. I don't know. I'm going to Google it. But 1929, I mean, that's, you know, that would be a hundred. So probably yeah. not. But oh I mean, gosh. it just makes you know that this happened. And a quarter million people in America came from, we don't know. Wow. That's scary. Yeah. That's kind of terrifying to me because that could account for some of the stuff, like what you're saying, like, did they just grab a kid and leave? Like, and now this is their posture. You know what I mean? Who knows what, but like at the end of the day, we have no idea where those people came from. And like, I am a sucker and I am very mercy driven. I will probably take a kid home. Like I am like, I super done that way. Cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, they're suffering and sad. Like I, I've taken lots of kids home that were mine and took care of them. But I, I mean, I knew where they came from though. Well, the breeding programs, if, if you have Nephilim genetics from, from what they say is that they can't, they're the pregnancy gestation for a Nephilim hybrid. I would believe probably, you know, because it's, it's kind of like, 
it washes out in the blood. So the further out right. you get, if somebody comes and marries a normal human Adamic just, seed, yeah. you know, child, and Starts then it washing. washes it yeah. out, then there's not going to be as strong as whatever. And so right. the closer you are to the original source of the fallen breeding with a human, they have these Nephilim babies and they are, the gestation is only like a four month pregnancy. And so it's oh, like, wow. And then they grow really fast and then they take them into hiding and raise them up to a certain point. And then what they often do is bring them back and they have them marry their own mother. Wow. And, um, because of their obsession with the incest. Right. And so, so right. that's where line. you get into this crazy stuff going on. And if, if wow. you're putting seed like that out into humanity, you know, they're, they're breeding, million. they could have been breeding, you know, these people. <laughs> A quarter million people is a lot of freaking people. And I'm like, how did that just go by back then? Even back then, that's a weird story. Like you're just going to go to the fair and you're going to go see some crap at the fair. And you're like, oh, look at there's all the babies for sale. Like what? The world what fair the is the weirdest thing on the planet. The world anyway. fair is some shady shit. I'm <laughs> telling you. <laughs> the book that I read when yeah. I, when I read this book, I can't remember what it was called. Um, the book, Do you know I, what it was, it was about a murderer who, who was oh, oh, I know hiding, um, H H whatever his name was. I can't remember his name, but he was rich. Yeah. So just, just the descriptions of how they would go and build these entire cities just to tear it down is but like, did they, but did they, or did they lie about it? And it was remnants of the old world, like Tartaria shit. I think the Mormon temple was already here. I think it's horseshit that they built that with a bunch of horses and little crap. And I've seen old pictures of it. And when they're building it and it's already mostly all the way done, they're just adding the top. What the Nauvoo temple? No, no. What temple? Salt Lake, Salt Lake temple. I'll, oh. I'll send you some pictures where it, there's no way the quarry blocks alone. I'm just, I'm, oh. it's like the Egypt pyramids. I feel like a lot of things were here and they covered it up by the world's fair saying they were knocking things down because the buildings weren't sturdy. But if you go to San Francisco, they didn't knock all of them down. Some of them still existed. And then they, what they didn't knock down with the world fair crap, they knocked down with fires afterward. If you noticed in all these major cities later, they would have some freaking fire that would wipe crap out completely. It, it's, it's mind boggling. Wait, so did they have a world fair in Utah? They traveled it. Yes, it was everywhere. Like they would travel this world fair all over the place to all these major cities. But, but I don't know if they came to, recorded I don't know if they came to here, but I think that building was already here. Like the not, like not associated with the world's fair, just in general, I think it was here because there's all this old world stuff. If you travel in other countries, like in Rome, I've been to Rome, I've been to Paris. They have these beautiful things that are still there. And what does America have? We don't have stuff like that. It's all torn down. It was and leveled. the talk about the, the church, church tour you went on in Rome. What, what they have. Oh my under gosh. That was there. the creepiest shit ever. Okay, so in Rome, we went on, and we were not supposed to be there. This is, I will first say to people, be with God. Like, I was not as much with God then as my walk is now. Nowadays, I don't think I would have been tricked so easily. But back then, I was still very, um, you know, when you're a Mormon, I feel like you come out, or when you're even in, when you first 
first or there or whatever. It's kind of like always like, oh, this famous person. And oh, that I, I feel like it's like Kardashian sometimes. Like it's, it's stupid, you know? And so the who's who is the keeping up with the Joneses, yeah, the elitist, yeah, the game of elitism. It's so bad. Like what is their Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. And even their temple bags and their temple bags, their main brand for the temple bags is called symbols. How hilarious. Anyways, long story short, I go to Rome and this dude comes up to me and he's very handsome, big jacked up guy. And I'm like, what do you want? Like, get away from me. And he's like, no, no, I do these tours and look, I'm famous and look at this girl. And I did card Chloe Kardashian last week. Or Courtney, excuse me, Courtney. He shows me on the picture. Took her on a like, tour. Yeah. And he's like, you should come. And I'm like, my husband is in the sandwich shop and he will murder you. Like, you need to move <laughs> along, you know? And he's like, no, 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 I'm not weird. Like, I'm like, uh huh, uh huh. Okay. And so then he's like, no, no. So he, that's why he was showing me pictures. Like, really, I do tours, you know? And so we were like, okay, maybe. And my daughter was with me and she's in her 20s. And so we're like, she's like yeah mom let's go on the tour like you know she's single and I was like oh my gosh so okay my husband comes back he's like no <laughs> I'm like okay well it's cheap he said he would do it for super cheap and he's like yeah right he's famous he's gonna do it for cheap I'm like I don't know he said he'd do it for 50 bucks you know he's like that doesn't even make sense so I should have been smarter but I wasn't. And so he takes us on this tour and it was actually awesome tour. It was really, really good. But he takes us in all these back areas, like back things you wouldn't, they're off the beaten path. It would, it wouldn't be a church you ended up in. There's a lot of churches there, but it wouldn't have been one of the churches I would have picked to go look at. It's very small and significant. So we go in it and, and he's like, oh yeah. And this used to be a temple and, and, and you can come downstairs. And so we go down, I don't even know if we're supposed to be down there. Like but we did. And so we go down the stairs and stuff and we get done and like, we go have dinner with him and the people all go together to this little old lady. And I, I swear to you, she was like a hundred. She like straight up looked like she came out of a storybook, like, or something with the old Italian stuff. On. I mean, it just like, really. And it, and then they took us in a tour underground that was underground to go down to the temple thing. And then it also underground into this cellar thing that they were showing us, like where her restaurant was. It was super creepy. And I was like, oh, this is weird. So we eat, we leave, whatever. And, and he even said, do not ask what is on the menu. This screws me up now. He's like, do not ask what's on the menu or what you're being served or whatever. You get what you get. She just cooks it. And, and I'm scared at this point because I'm deathly allergic to a whole bunch of things. Okay. Like rice and shellfish. And like, I, I have my EpiPen, but I was scared. <laughs> and so I was like, oh my gosh. And so he's like, so my husband's tasting everything first, trying to like, make sure I'm not going to die. And then he's like, no, I think there's no shellfish, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, we eat and then we take a picture with them and everything. And then we leave and like later one year full year later, my husband says, we'd had all these problems with my daughter and she estranged from our family. And it was just horrible. She's still estranged. It's been four years. And he says, you will never believe. Cause this is when I'm like fully into conspiracies. Now I tell him everything he's listening, blah. And so he goes, guess what that church was called? I did a check-in. I'm like, what? And he's like, it was the temple of Minerva. And I just stared at him. I was like, what? And which goes, is and minerva is a god 
and Poseidon is her husband. And Medusa was, this is the story goes, was in her temple, that temple, worshiping her when Poseidon decides to go cuckoo crazy and rape her in the temple. And the, the backlash from Minerva was to give her a head full of snakes because she was beautiful and he wanted her like that. And that wasn't even that girl's fault, you know? So she gets the snakes and that's the story. So right, right before we had gone to Rome, my daughter had been raped. And so this was like, and she speaks out about it. So I just want to tell people that like, she's not shy about that part. So, um, and about surviving and all that, um, or I would not share that. Um, and then, so she had had that happen to her. And then we went on vacation right after that, not knowing any of that stuff that I told you in California in the Redwood forest. And she sits up in the middle of the night, like at 3 AM and, and sits straight up. And this has happened to my kids, not to me and says, Minerva, no. And like lays back down why something's trying to come in this cabin out in the middle of the woods. Cause I'm up trying to figure out where the bear is or something. Cause I can hear something pounding to get in there. And my kids are hysterical. They're like, wasn't that funny? Cause they're like nine, you know, nine or 10 or something. And they're just like laughing. So the whole rest of the vacation, the reason why I remembered it is because the kids every five minutes are like Minerva. No, like they think it's hilarious. And so they teaser, teaser, teaser. Well, next thing I know, not quite a year later, we're cut off. She had met that guy, a new guy and everything. And I'm like, fully under the feeling that she doesn't necessarily have a spirit in her but an attachment on her that has completely helped her cut off our family it is so weird and it, and it's not just one person it's and the everyone. point the point is that that those types of things can happen just from say, say you go on a mm -hmm. tour you're taken down to an old sex ritual temple we and went underground mm -hmm. let me also mention that that i don't believe mythology is mythology they call it mythology no. because they don't they're want angels to know mm -hmm. that you know the ancient truths of these nephilim who and the way these fallen gods did things and so they've turned it into mythology if you yes. go to if you go to Greece, um, I've heard people talk about how in Greece. So if you go talk to them about Greek mythology, they're like, "Why do you call it mythology? We were raised in those. Those, those were our those history. Are the classes. gods. Yeah, That's yeah, true. And, and I so, think so. I think yeah. so. Yeah. So if you, if you go into a fallen god's temple and you go underground and then you have some weird maybe Minerva came out and cooked you dinner. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And, and then on serpent, top of it, you know, serpent spaghetti, who knows what was in that, you know, and then your daughter like wakes up and says Minerva, no. And then she can have this attachment. I mean, this is hypothesis, but these For things sure. are fetched. I mean, but where she is have crazy power, which is the same reason, like when people go down under the, the Egyptian underground pyramids yeah. and stuff like that, like they're doing that for ritual purposes because they're spirits. Well, that's what happened to Crowley. Alistair Crowley went into the, into the, um, underground of the Egyptian pyramids. And that's how he saw that spirit, Awas. And so, and you think I'm light and have Nephilim stuff. She's like two shades whiter than I am, bro. Your like daughter. she's got freckles and she's even lighter than me. Like she looks exactly like me, almost spitting image. And how tall it, is she? Uh, we are all, my other daughter's 5'10". I'm 5'8 and a half. And that daughter's probably 5'8 and a half too. Size 10 Not, And I'm 5'2". So, you know, we we're, were talking. All women. This, this is a question I have that I would love if anybody out there know, knows anything more about this than we do. But something that I've become really aware of as well is, 
Um, I, and I don't have the full understanding of this. Like God is very much working, like scripture is coming alive. He's revealing a lot of things that we've been lied about and have been hidden from us that we've been lied to about. And he's working with Holy spirit to reveal these things, to give us understanding. And especially like people like me and Heidi who come from these bloodline genetics and where I'm dealing with, you know, scales on my skin and serpent around my neck. I feel like these are things God's showing me, like you have serpent seed. And, and I do feel like there's something different about the Nephilim hybrid and serpent seed. And uh, people go, well, I thought that was the same thing because what I see is these two different looks is like my family has very small eyes, almost like beady eyes. And I see that in the really like incestuous, incestuous, like Luciferian kind of, um, children of children of the fallen and, mm-hmm. and then the, or, or not children of the fault, like children of the serpent. I don't, I don't even know how to explain it. Cause it, it doesn't make full sense to me, but I can see a clear difference that the small beady eyes and then the big angelic eyes and the light from the, from the, the dark and then the serpent there's there's something going on genetically well, and and what if he was drawn to her specifically because of that like how you were saying about that that like they know sometimes and and honestly it was so weird because how she met her husband and he is ex- you think i'm tall he is like six four really tall lanky with the extra long arms and hazel eyes and very light Um, And he walked up to her in a crowded airport out of nowhere and just said, God told me to talk to you. And that's how they met. And so I'm like, and if anybody ever says that to y'all say, who's your God and what's his name? Yeah. Well, even if he says God, the normal God, you should be concerned because I'm telling you, and he's got enough lean head. (laughs) Well, because that, yeah. And that is, that is the gift that, that is the gift that the ritual of sodomy does when it blows open the the third eye, it (laughs) makes you be able to see into the spirit. Not always. It depends on what your spiritual gifts are that God gave you and created you with. But if you, if those are Satanized and given over to the kingdom of darkness, you know, a lot of these sodomites can see into the spirit. They can see your stars. They can see your destiny. Right. And I think he knew, he knew not only with her that she was easy to manipulate because she was coming out of trauma. But I think he knew with me because I was getting very into Christ. Then I was like, I'm against church. I just love God. I was telling him all this stuff though, about the Nephilim. And he never, he only met me three times and he never came back. Yeah. And I was like, he took her for a reason because I think the genetics were there for pairing wise. And he comes from a long line of banking people, which you know, they run stuff. Yeah. And so I'm like, it makes complete sense to me because he knew I would not be fooled. Mm-hmm. He knew. Well, they, they can see the physical markers. They're trained on the physical markers. And then they also can see on the, um, the spiritual, they can see into the spiritual, some, some of them, you know, and they, yeah. if they don't have eyes to see and ears to hear, or, or if they have, they don't have the eyes to see, depending on their gifts, they, sometimes if they're enmeshed with demonic spirits or kundalini mm-hmm. false holy spirit they will hear directly like this person see is know, the person their seed yeah yeah, yeah. And, and i think it was that with follower them. somebody with the light yeah. of jesus christ is their first victim that they want to prey on sodomite men luciferian men um serpent seed nephilim hybrids seek out women of christ they want to take a woman down and they want to get you in their bed 
and they want to have sex with you immediately and they want to procreate. It's the same thing as the fallen angels. They want your baby and they, Mm -hmm. and they either, they want to take it and do abominations with your child because a lot of these men show up and disappear with your kids. Well, and don't you, and all of a sudden they have custody of your kids. There's, I I see it. I get called calls from so many women whose ex-husband has taken their kids and they're richly abused. And they're smart and they know like how to like finesse. They know how, like how Joseph Smith was. And I mean, you don't get 33 to 38 wives, whatever he had for nothing. Like these people have silver tongues, you know, Mm -hmm. and he knew everything that she wanted to hear. And he also knew, and me and her were tight, like inseparable. And he knew everything to say to her to like, make it be not that way. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the main point was, was control, you know, and now that he has full control, I mean, he tells everyone she's dead to us. I'll never speak to her. And if, if I'm, if it's up to me, I'll never, and she's far, far away. And I'm even afraid if I did go there that they would call the police on me, you know, wow. but the whole thing is, is like, now I wouldn't be fooled in Italy. I was fooled, but the guy came later after that. I mean, he, she had met him, but like, we didn't know him yet. And we, as we were getting to know him, I was being sharper in the word every day. I was delving so hard into it. And I think he saw it. He saw that I was not going to go along to get along. And I, well, and, th- and this is where I say, this is why it's so important to, you know, when I, when I left Mormonism, it was like, okay, Everything they taught me was lies because they're all a bunch of pervs. So wh- why why you can sure. believe, hey, you shouldn't have premarital sex <laughs> and fornication because um, I heard that from a bunch of sodomites who were, you know, having me sexually abused when I was little or sexually abusing me when I was little. And so then it's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And then my cult leader, my the woman who ran this polyamorous group, one of the lies that she told us was that, and, and, you know, this is where you don't go study your own Bible yourself. You don't go and do the research and you believe a false prophet. She told, she told us that the word fornication did not mean in Hebrew sex before marriage. It had nothing to do with that. She told us that the word fornication meant to withhold love. So it has nothing to do with Mm. if you're not married to them, because when you have sex with somebody, you're automatically married to them. And if polyamory and polygamy is okay, then the sex is the marriage. And so it's okay to have sex as long as you're in love. You just have to give your full heart and be in love, you know? So this was, this was her false serpent teaching. And this is why that is so wrong because, you know, you go, well, premarital sex, fornication, fornication is about sex outside of marriage, but she's also right. Sex is a marriage. When you go and fornicate with somebody, you really truly do become one through a marriage covenant with them, which is yes. Yeah. Renounce those, those soul bonds and, and spirit ties when, after you realize what's gone on. And so you enter into, you know, a, a marriage bed with somebody in fornication and you open up a door of legal right to the enemy and you have no idea who is in your bed mm-hmm. and you make a baby with them and you're stuck with that serpent for oh you know, for how a many long years. time. And yep. in, my, in my situation, I married the serpent, you know, and I still right. do. And, and, you know, God got me out of that marriage through this polyamorous cult. He actually sent in a guy, I I shouldn't say God sent him in, Satan sent him in. God uses, you know, what he can use. God knew I was going to do it. And God also knew that he needed to allow this man into my life that Satan, he needed to allow, God needed to allow Satan to send this man into my life because Satan is also under rule of God, um, in order to 
get me out of that marriage because he probably wouldn't have let me out of the marriage had I not cheated on him, even though he was trying to get me out of it. He wanted to do it in a way that he was in control of it. Right. And, and it, it looks good on his him. ego. Yeah. It burnt his ego so bad. He was living. Oh, wow. And then he didn't want anything to do with me after that. And, and which was a know, blessing. Yeah. I, of course I had to do my own repentance and go through learning and understanding because I was, I was deceived into thinking like the open relationships or polyamory was a true spiritual teaching that there was some truth to it. Cause when you're raised with a wool over right. your told all your ancestors are polygamous and all of your, um, and they did it. So, yeah. Yeah. All of your ancestors, the, the prophet of your church has many wives who you're grown up singing praise to the man who communed. Oh yes. Gross. Oh my gosh. Gross, you know? Like praise, praising Joseph Smith in songs in church and talking about this Joseph more than you are Jesus. Then mm -hmm. you think, Oh, polygamy. Okay. Well, so what her teaching was, was, Hey, the only reason Joseph was wrong when he went and tried to build Zion and, you know, implemented the law of polygamy. The only reason he was wrong is because he did it one-sided. And that's why it was wrong because it was one-sided. It was only the man. The woman has to also be given equal right to extra spouses or else it creates misery. And God is not a, a um, respecter of persons. And so he's the woman has to have the fair share too. And so Joseph just did it wrong. And so, mm. you know, she cl she claimed that she was Jesus Christ's other half, oh. like, like like Adam and Eve, like Eve was uh -huh. his wife, She was Jesus's wife. So God gave her the keys to polyamory to bring Joseph's truth. And- it, I didn't necessarily believe her. I, I was just mm -hmm. so brainwashed from Mormonism and I was leaving. I was just, and she had, this is the thing that was crazy. She had so much biblical knowledge and truth. She had to have been given occult knowledge. She'd read every book there is. She was a healer. She was part of this medical order of hope, which is its own um, secret society, like of healers. And she had, she was definitely of a cult bloodline Mormon family mm. who'd been given like knowledge and wisdom and, and shown patterns probably by Satan himself from the Bible to be able to pick out because there was some true wisdom and God doesn't send right. out a serpent to stand at the gate of Eden and tempt you before you try to get back in the gates of Eden without making sure she has some major wisdom on her hands. And so she, like, she had a huge following. She was very, well, you can, you can, um, absorb things when it's not in a good spirit. If it gives you a gift, it can give you a gift of, of all those things. Like yeah. there's been, I mean, Crowley's knowledge on books and D's knowledge on books. And actually John D had the largest library of any man in all of Britain period. And he was the one that coined and came up with one world order. So yeah. like, he's way more at play than most people think, but like all this wisdom is given to these people. Well, books are the, the tree of, it's, for, it's the forbidden wisdom. Books are the tree of knowledge mm -hmm. of good and evil, which is why I've even felt weird to even publish my book on paper. Like I honestly right. think it's time for another great book burning. I think it would be completely appropriate time to burn, you know, 90% of the books on this A lot of stuff. written because yeah. half of it, most of it. <clears throat> well, and, and when you're writing, plan. when you're writing, it's actually like a sigil too, because it gives it power when you actually write the written word. Mm -hmm. which is why they don't want us to do that. And they like us to type everything's yeah. typed now. Mm -hmm. If you notice, they don't want yeah. people to learn cursive because part of it. And I mean, it's all part of this. Occult That's knowledge. probably why I feel so drawn. Like I have my dream journals are all, ha I have pages and pages of dreams that I'll write in the morning. Yep. And it used to be really hard on like to sit and write that out. Right. Like, but it's part of manifestation. Tea, but yeah. yeah, it really yes. is. So, um, 
anyway, she, she taught us this, you know, principle that was like, and, and she didn't teach it publicly. She had all right. of these preparatory tricks of the, of teachings. She taught a class on paradox. So she would point to paradox in the Bible, which is like, oh, well, God is a God of paradox and there's paradoxes all over. So this truth conflicts with this truth. It's not, it doesn't mm. conflict. It's just, it's a paradox. So you have to fit it into the same paradigm. So she used that in a really serpentine uh, kind of way, you know, in order to draw And so um, in, on the forefront, she was teaching great wisdom. And then on the back, she was also had a dream interpreter who was interpreting dreams and working that way, who would falsely interpret your dreams and help you learn how to interpret dreams through their idea of what they wanted to see in your dreams. Mm. And then she would do privates with people and then you would go into these privates and then she would share with you, um, you know, you'd, I, I had a dream. I actually had a dream where God told me to go to her. And I said, God told me that you have some secret wisdom and knowledge that you're keeping secret. And oh. he told me to tell you to tell me, <laughs> I li literally wow. he gave me a dream because God, God literally sent me. And that was the first place he sent me a spy unto the Lord to spy out a serpent, um, brood of serpents who were practicing something in darkness. And he allows me to go undercover and try on a belief for a little while until I figure it out. And that was what happened with them. Mm. And so I went in and, and that was when she was like, oh, I wasn't ready to tell you yet and all these things, but she was like, oh, and DNC 132, the new and everlasting covenant, you know, is polyamory and, and God is giving us, you know, additional spouses. And so she goes into this whole, it was so crazy because everything I'd learned about in Mormonism was brought into the forefront, current, present time before my face. And all she was, was a female Joseph Smith, another serpent. So but it made sense to you because you've been. And well, and yeah. I was in a miserable marriage with a miserable man right. that was a sodomite, you know, Iranian Illuminati yeah. kind of like who hated me, who wanted nothing, who was my handler, who mm. was, you know, set up to marry me. And so I was definitely in a position to be deceived, to go, oh, I could have some other husbands who might actually like right. Maybe, Ooh. maybe I want out of here. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, I never would have left my husband because I was married to him in the temple and I was so brainwashed right. into eternal life with him. Right. But, you know, the other thing she taught us was, hey, oh. well, um, God will ask you to lie to your spouse, because if you're ascending into new and higher truths and your spouse isn't ready for that, then, you know, the Lord will allow you to take a spouse or a husband, a, a wife or a husband without his knowledge or because mm -hmm. if he's not ready and he can't handle that truth, why would, why would you need to held, be held back? And she even used the temple as that to go, well, the women and the men in the Mormon temple sit on opposite sides. You don't go in as a couple when you're married, the women sit over here and the men sit over here and you right. go female alone. So it's like, well, your ascension is your individual ascension. And so oh. if you're going to, you know, grow into the celestial from the, from the telestial or the temp, the terrestrial, you know, if you want to live the celestial law, then maybe he's not ready, but God might give you a spouse sooner than that. And I didn't end up when I ended up cheating on my husband, it wasn't even with this group. I'd left them. They kicked me out because I started mm. having dreams and visions. And I was like, well, I had this dream about this rod that was in her house. I actually stayed at her house one weekend when I went to help her sell some of her books and I was shown this rod and I was like, it wasn't being used. And, and the, the whole group was just following her. Like, like they were sheeple. She was very much controlling mm -hmm. everyone. And she would always tell everybody, don't make me your God. I'm not your God. Do not make me your God. And so when you, but she really, what she was doing is making herself your God right. and then blaming Turning it, it around. Uh-huh. And so, um, it, it ended up getting to the point where 
I'd had these dreams and I was like, yeah, there's this rod and nobody's using it. And I was like, what's going on? And how come she, she taught jealousy, envy, and strife in order to build Zion and, and create what Joseph couldn't create. We have to get out of jealousy, envy, and strife. And in order to be in a relationship with multiple spouses, then we have to let go of jealousy, envy, and strife. Strife. She was the most jealous person on the planet. Cause you know, one of the guys in the group kind of, we started just being friends and he was mm-hmm. her husband. She had another woman that was her wife. And the other thing is it wasn't, it wasn't, they, they were doing, uh, same sex stuff. Right. So it wasn't mm, like, this okay. is your husband. This is your, and right. that's the, that's the way, even like, if you go back and look like, obviously King David, there was, mm-hmm. his wives weren't having sex with each other, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, his, they were just his wife. Yeah. yeah. So, so it was just another level of sex <laughs> cults within Mormonism. So, mm-hmm. so it got to the point where, you know, I started challenging some things and asking some questions and I started having, that was when my gift of vision actually started opening up. And the thing that's crazy is one thing that God taught me about this serpent was she, she was my, she was my greatest and worst teacher because she gave me major truths that opened some of my spiritual gifts, but she also presented with me with some major lies. So she would be one of my greatest teachers because wow, did I learn a lot from her? So thank you. Thank you for everything you You're brought. like, I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> So she, um, she started challenge. I I started challenging some things. And one of the ladies in the group, she was like, your gift of vision is crazy. I've never met anybody that gets more like spiritually from than her, because we would bring our visions and dreams like to the table and talk about them and discuss the, you know, what we were getting. And it was clear probably because she could see even I was still learning how to interpret my own dreams then. And she probably could see even more of what I could than I could see at the time that he, God was exposing her to me, you know, big time. Mm. So she called the whole group together and she said to me, you know, Sharisa, you are a very powerful woman. And she says, and I've been building up this group for, you know, over 10 years. And she said, and everything that I have built up, you have the power and ability to, to tear down. And you're dangerous. And so she was like, oh. you're going to have to leave the group. <laughs> and I, wow. I, at the time I was kind of like, butthurt a little bit about it because she did have so much knowledge and wisdom. But at the same time, I was like, good riddance. You guys are freaking weird, you know? Right. Uh, but, um, it was funny because I did, I did have the power to tear it down. And when, when I left, like, I didn't even go and tell anybody, like, I'm happy to share her name at some point. I'd love to talk. Actually, right. I, I her, her name's Karen Preer. I'll say that right now because um, she has a book out that's called Seven. Oh, now I can't remember. Everything was sevens. Her Everything was about sevens with her. Uh, mm, that's a very that, occult person. Yeah. Uh, now I can't think of any of the names of her group, but you can find all of her stuff online. She, she has, her book was very powerful. It was one of the most amazing patterns in the, in the Bible. She pulls out all these patterns of sevens all over in the Bible that were very much there, like the structural Mm. literary patterns in the Bible she, she could see. And so, um, she, uh, after she kicked me out of the group, you know, like, and I, and I was really doing a lot to help her sell her books. I sold a lot of her books and CDs when we would go to conferences and stuff, but you know, she, she was, she was having, sexual, sexual relationships. They had an apartment and they had an apartment outside of all their homes. So they could go and meet at this separate apartment and in the group would pay the rent for this apartment. And everybody would go there. And 
<laughs> she, after I left Mormonism, the very first time I ever smoked pot again, for the first time I was with that group at that apartment smoking. And it was so funny because God does this thing with me where he shows me something before I even realize what he's showing me. And, um, I, the first time I hit it, I smoked pot back in the day, but I hadn't for years. I'd been Mormon and I mm. had my garments and was kind of like done with Mormonism by then, but I was still married and we're just hanging out and, and I smoke. And the, the guy who was kind of her main husband guy who I had become friends with was there. And I hit, I hit it. And I, I just started laughing my ass off for like an hour, <laughs> like cackling. Like it was, I don't even know what was funny. I was, oh. I felt, I, I, I literally was like, Oh, there you are God. Because my <sighs> experiences in, in, um, indigenous medicine or in plant medicine mm-hmm. was always very spiritual. I never used it as like a drug or like a whatever. Right. I always went into it with a prayer and with like a, it, it was always like a sacrament for me. And so I was take, even using it in this moment as like a sacrament and, and I just needed to laugh because I'd been in a miserable marriage for years under a type of manipulative abuse. I didn't even fully understand. So I am just laughing my butt off. And I remember I went and like got on her face because she was, you know, very holier than thou and and very high up in the group. So they kind of revered her. And I was like in her face and I was like, you are hilarious. And I was like, you're funny, Karen. (laughs) She was like, she was like, what's so funny? And she was scared. Uh, I'm freaking her out. You know, she She doesn't know what to do because people like witches don't smoke. They can't smoke weed mm. because it breaks down their programming and their state. They're like enmeshment with wicked spirits and stuff like it breaks that down. So she couldn't handle it. And I just kept laughing in her face. I didn't even know what I was laughing at. And I go, you're funny. And she's like, well, and I was like, God thinks you're funny. You're fu-. Oh. And really what God was, God was laughing in her face. Through he was me. like, mock, like look how many her. people you are taking away from oh their family. She broke up so many marriages, you know, mm. and, and brought adultery into so many homes. And he was just like laughing in her face of like, Getting I, mean, I got back, you number I can see. Of. So, and she was jealous because I was smoking with her husband guy, you know, and yeah. who's who her second. And she ended up having a freak out breakdown. They had to take her home. Oh my gosh. Like one of the women, you know, they had, they, they also did women's priesthood. So the women in this group were giving blessings and stuff. So she had to have this woman like give her a blessing because she lost it because oh, I wow. saw her. He showed, I didn't even you know what saw I saw the truth, yet, but I saw and yeah. then she kicked me out after that. So anyway, it was, this is just to, to point to again, my experience in a Joseph Smith type scenario to go, I, I felt like I knew him and I knew this all along. I was like, God is bringing this to me to have this experience as a, as a Jacob or as a Joshua Caleb type spy in the land to spy out a giant. And Neph- I, I, this woman's like definitely serpent seed, Nephilim, something mm-hmm. going on there. And, and she, you know, had this ability to, to tantalize people into her group that was mind blowing. Mm-hmm. And you know, she was still wearing her garments and going to the temple and a lot oh of the my gosh, she was entertaining <sighs> are, you know, writing Mormon books, high up names that if I said you would probably recognize, and she was running in these circles and selling her books with a lot of like famous Mormon. I can't people. imagine going back after knowing the truth. Like if she knew the truth to that level, like it was so bad, not knowing the truth and being confused, let alone if I went now, I, I mean, I yeah. never would, but like the, it would just be traumatizing. I feel like, well, and this is the question I always <laughs> want to ask people like her that I meet. Cause I've, that's only one of many stories of people I've come right. across who are setting out with a, with a deceit. And my question that I want to ask them, and I feel like with her, okay, do you really believe this lie? And are you just so deceived 
that you are just selling, you know, what you believe because you just believe this or right. are you an agent of the enemy and a, and a sly serpent and you know it. And so you, this is your job because I know a lot of these people in these cult bloodline families know that they are serpent seed and that their job yeah. is to recruit, you know, and that they're given this. Well, and, 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 or they just have an inherent, like in their blood, like to know, like how we were talking about how, if you encounter someone that is truly evil or a witch or whatever, and you are walking with Christ, like they will hate you. They will hate your spirit. I've, I've had it happen more times than not, you know, where you just walk in a room or something and, and it's immediate. So is it immediate for them inside of them walking in that spirit to do the same thing? Do you know what I mean? Is it even something they think about or does yeah. it just occur? Yeah. I think it's inherent because some people, I don't want to see all people, but like a lot of people can be inherently evil yeah. if placed in a certain position. Well, I know I within know. the bloodlines, there are, <clears throat> there are plenty who are inherently evil, know that they, yeah. they're, they're children of the devil. They're told that our job, what they're told is that we're here to bring on the apocalypse. Our job is to mm -hmm. deceive humanity. We play this. Oh, this, uh, this is another important Usher it thinking. in. Usher it in. Uh -huh. Yes. Because I forgot. This is one of the things that they teach is that all will be saved. They used to talk about how all will be saved, even Satan will be saved. That's how big and great God's love is. God loves so much. No. Everyone will be, he can't afford to lose one soul. That's how much he loves. This was the lie that they were telling of the devil. And there was this one girl in the group who literally her role ever, cause everybody had a role. That was what they were always right. teaching. What's your role in the building of Zion? What's your keys to the kingdom? What's, what's going to be what you do? You know, what are you called to do? So everybody was, you know, receiving this information from fallen angels through their dreams and visions. And what this one girl had said that her role was to do was she was Satan's savior and that it would oh, be brother. and that her role in the millennium was to have incestuous sex with her own brother to save oh. him that would redeem Satan. It was the craziest thing I'd ever heard. But at the time I was so brainwashed and the whole, the whole Joseph Smith, and there was so much incest already. Uh, it's not like I believed it, but it was just kind of like, huh? It's not you, that you far of a jump. You don't immediately go, you're freaking nuts. You just go, huh, yeah. is that possible? Cause they're really good at telling the story. You know, I don't have eight hours to tell you all the mysteries yeah. by scriptures that they go into back all this stuff up. But I tell you, I've been fooled. You've been fooled. We're smart people. Like I'm a college graduate twice. Like it, it, some of these people, a lot of these people are doctors and tie up. And even the ones that maybe don't know and aren't aware, you know, how there's some people they don't like advance all the way. I still feel like you step out and you go, wow, was I really that stupid? Mm -hmm. And I, you do. I, I kicked I myself know. in the head so many times for even sticking around these people as long as I did, even though I often yeah. didn't like play it out or act on things the way a lot of people in those groups did. Cause I know yeah. the reason I, I ended up roaming in a lot of the circles that I did was to be able to have experiences, to be able to come out and bear testimony and witness. Cause God knew my yes. heart and he knew I would repent and see the truth and find the way. And, um, you know, led was, I was allowed to go blindly and, and sin in ignorance in some of these groups, um, with that. So to come out with a story to tell, to come out, to expose them and say, yeah. Uh, okay. I tried that belief. This on happened. Her. This is how I know it's a lie. Mm -hmm. so. This is what's happened because of it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's me and you being born into these families, these hybrid families in order. But what to makes out. it, 
what makes it like the difference for us? I wonder sometimes because like my husband is like us, but he was even more so he got out very young. He never went through like from the get go. He's like, this is garbage. You know, through the temple. You mean? Nope. He was like 16 years old. He's like, you can't make me go anymore. I'm not going, you know? And I mean, they, they persecute you, you know, and same for me later, much later, same for you. But why is it that there's a few of us that go, Nope. Well, and you know, that, that, that is something that is in the Bible and when, why I, I, the only reason, and it's funny because the further along I come and the use the, when I was kind of in new age and stuff and kind of like thinking I knew something, you know, and then I realized, oh my gosh, I didn't know nothing. I was wrong about (laughs) all that stuff. It was all lying. Yeah. And then, and then you're like, oh man. And then you go back to the Bible and you're like, oh, what? I was so deceived. And, and then you're just kind of like, how did I go be so stupid and like make so many mistakes and live in such a sinful way for so many years? And, you know, I also don't kick myself because it's like, okay, I was sexualized from my infancy, you know? Right. So I don't blame myself for a lot of those stupid decisions that I made because there was abuses that were done to me. And so I give myself grace and mercy in that, but I, I have to go, wow, like, why did I get chosen out of my family to not end up like being in that crap and, and being right. like, expendable from birth? Thank God. Thank Yahweh that I was labeled expendable in my birth and not had to be under a lot of the crap that my family's had to be under and go through the same level of abuses that they have because, because why? Because I didn't do nothing. It's not yeah. about, this is how so I weird. know that God created me for a purpose. He put all of these gifts and abilities in me. He arranged all of these things in my life. He let the enemy have his hand and he led me out of this family because I was called and chosen. Isn't he, that wonderful? That, I was just it's called like, and he just and, and I could have messed it up worse, you know, and, and people, every people are called and chosen and don't yeah. do what they're created for. But what did I do? How come we're different? Because he created me for this. Praise Yah. Praise Praise him. I praise him all the time. Like, thank you for creating me to not have to be stuck, stuck in that forever. Thank you. Stuck stuck in the bloodline trauma for, to traumatize your own kids. Like, you know, I I could, I could have, I could have easily ended up where what I despise Mm -hmm. didn't put that in me. He put in me to despise those things. He created me that way. And so, and so, you know, it says in the Bible that even that God even created the evil, the, the wicked for the day of evil. Right. He created all things for his purpose, his purpose. So I was created for his purpose. So, so thank him. You know why? Yes. Because he chose. That's how he chose. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We were lucky. We were the lucky defectors. Cause I'll tell you, right. I'm, I'm glad that I, I, the things I've shared with you and my own family and that I witnessed that I have to see. And then you, you feel sad and powerless and helpless. And, and I'm like, I'm just glad that that's not my kids, you know? And, and it, yeah, it's such a blessing because I, I just, 
you have your kids and you go, oh my gosh, I can't imagine if something happened to my no. kids, like what happened with me when no. I was little. And I know I started when my, when my kids were infants, I used to tiptoe up when their dad would fall asleep in bed with them. And I couldn't remember, know any of this stuff then. And I had no reason. I, I didn't understand why at that time I was like, I would change my kids' diapers and I would just have these weird thoughts go through my head and they weren't mine. It wasn't anything I desired. Just like, like, what is that? Where does that come from? And it would make me sick. And it's because I, mm. I had spirits and iniquity on my bloodline that I was unaware of, you know, right. and then I right. would go in when, when my kid's dad would be sleeping, fall asleep in their bed, putting them to bed and wouldn't come to bed or something. And I would sneak in and look in and just like, make sure nothing was happening. I was like, mm -hmm. why do I, why do I feel the need to do that? Why am I looking right. for? Cause I didn't have knowledge or memory of that, but, but I was incredibly overprotective. And if there were little kids, mm -hmm. Like, you know, all my little girlfriends were all humping each other in the neighborhood when I was growing up. If there was one little girl that tried to hold hands or play house with my daughter, I was like, goodbye, you're done. Yep. Nope. No. Nope. You know, yep. and so he, he just put that in me. He, he yeah. created me that way. So thank you for creating me that way, Yahweh, you mm -hmm. know, because, um, I, I, I didn't, I didn't do anything to deserve that. I didn't. Yeah. There's nothing of myself that made him uh -uh. choose me for that purpose. That was his will. And so, you know, it'll be really interesting, um, as you go through, um, your, well, cause as you reached out to me, you had started having some of your own memories and things going on in your yeah. family. You've shared yeah, with us that you so have, crazy. you know, yeah. you were aware of the Nephilim genetics, which I was really excited to find out that there's somebody yes. out there because I knew this. <laughs> I'd been praying for you for a long time. Cause I'm like, oh God, my gosh, I know that this family that I grew up with who talks about their six finger knows their Nephilim, but they're not going to tell me that. Right. They know they are. So I know there's a family that has to have used this word in their family and talked about it yep. openly and admittedly knows that they are Nephilim genetics. And I had not met a single soul until you. So I'm so grateful. That's so wild. Share this to be able to say, and I was like, I they have just, pieces of your yeah. puzzle. You have pieces yeah. that I've been praying for. And, and the stuff that I, you know, talked about made you have a whole discovery of things in your childhood that you're still going to be yes. discovering. So we're not going to yeah. talk about any of that stuff yet, but, but suffice it wild. to say, yeah. suffice it to say within everything that we've talked about, the Nephilim being obsessed with incest and oh, yeah. themselves and, um, genetic bloodline and sex parties and stuff like that. Like you have stuff like that Crazy. in your family that you've discovered. And so it'll uh, be interesting so crazy. to talk about that at some point to go into all of that. And so what we're going to overwhelming you know, continue talking about Mormonism and exposing Mormonism. Yes. We're going to do some more yes. episodes. Um, today we talked about how the Mormon church is an antichrist Nephilim cult. And, yes. uh, we can say that as firsthand witnesses, having grown up in the families that we have grown up in. And, um, we hope and pray that the world will continue to have eyes opened to the realities of what Mormonism is the great and abominable church, the whore of all of the earth that has recruited more incestuous, horrific abominations into the families of the children of men than I would say any other religion on the earth, save it be the cat. And, and the Mormons point to the Catholics and say, they're the great and abominable church. And they would know <laughs> because they share right. rituals underground. Takes one to know one Catholic brothers. Exactly. <laughs> right. Uh, so, so we'll go into some more stuff about the temple and yes. a few upcoming episodes. Is there anything else you wanted to share Heidi before we wrap up for the day? Nope. I think we did a pretty good job. Hopefully Hopefully we're going to make it through to some other people that know what we know. And yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. I, yeah. Hey, if you know any of this stuff, if you have this stuff going on, you reach out, let's talk. Yes. Let's do, let's it. do it. All right. All right. Hey, have a good one. You too.